Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandis Harrison podcast. We're a bunch of mega fans giving you the news discussion and, of course, a whole lot of opinions about Brandon's works and the Cosmere. I'm Eric, and joining me is David. I was expecting to go last because of a comment that Eric had made earlier. I am Windrunner on the forums, the one and only Windrunner. <laughs> no, see, see, David, it, it's that in Discord it goes alphabetically. In the overlay, it's totally different, and it was just set. So this is, we're, we're good. We're good. Of course, of course. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, also joining us is Evgeny. Hi, I am Argent in the places of the internet. Also, I forgot a thing, so let's keep rolling. Okay. And in the desert. Yep. <laughs> okay, get, get it out there. Uh, also joining us is Joshua. And I'm, um, I'm called Joshua on the places of the internet, I guess. Yeah, and I am Chaos. And what we're going to talk about today is we are going to talk about the White Sand Omnibus. Wow, look at you. You actually got a product. Incredible. Are you sure it's not a mirage? He's in the desert, Eric. (laughs) You know, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure because I don't have my slipcase edition. So, you know, sometimes when you make a product, 75 percent of it are unsendable for whatever reason. Okay, and that's just how we tried not leaving in a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do we have any news? Because this this is this is coming out like in a week. So we, we can actually be kind of timely. Uh, Tress boxes are sending. So uh, uh, the year of Sanderson people get them last. So that's fun uh, if you if you spent the five hundred dollars like me. But that's fine. That's fine. I, I want everyone to get their books. I know it's a lot of books. It's just like white sand, Eric. People, you just if you're if you're forking over the most money, it's going to take the longest. That is how it goes. That is true. That is true. <sighs> I'm okay. I'm okay, guys. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> I see. I thought my Hoyd delivery box had been stolen. It had been marked delivered, and I was like, "Where is this?" And I realized I had shipped it to my parents' house. So I was like, moving apartments, and I'm like, "Oh, I guess they're all going to go there." Okay, that's well. fair. Yeah, yeah. I should I should have changed my shirt size, and now now I'm now I'm doomed. So that's kind of a bummer. <sighs> but that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know pandemic and uh me drinking lots of soda is not doing great for me you know i'm doing great anyway tell me, tell me about it yeah i have news i have two oh pieces you have of news? news you have news and show and tell things uh combined yeah sure. okay neither, neither one is relevant but i felt like i would okay share. cool great so this thing you know you know that nice like books like new book smell yeah or or yeah. Or the very different but still nice old book smell. Yeah, sure. This is not that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's got to be a totally different printing process for a full yeah. color thing. I think that's that excited. This book doesn't smell nice. Don't smell this book. Oh. <laughs> We're starting in great. I opened it on, <laughs> on, on the show page just randomly. Like really? I yeah. Yeah, because I reread the whole thing yesterday and I, I still can't believe it's a full page uh trail. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like hi, so I'm weird. Trill. Hello. <laughs> like it's just so weird. He's gotta um, be significant. He's gotta be. You don't do that. Like you don't it should do be that. used as a meme more. It yeah. should be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hello. My we'll name figure is it out. You guys figure it out. Uh, we should talk about our spoiler policy for this episode, because uh, I mean, White Sand, it's, you know, it's been out for years. It's m- mostly the same. There's some stuff. But uh, 
I feel like we will probably refer to maybe some newer stuff in this episode and some relationships. So I think we need to just say full Cosmere uh, up through up through trust stuff. No other mm-hmm. secret projects, though. So I, th- I think we need to do that. So the the white sand omnibus is kind of out, kind of uh, for for ish. most ish. <laughs> Hey, in most countries where it's published, it's out. Okay. Well, I mean, that was true since May in June of, so, of last year. But, you know, hey, uh, but definitely you can buy it digitally. Wow. Uh, through Dynamite site. I don't think you can buy it digitally through like other vendors, but literally just Dynamite site. Um, so, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I came finally got the digital ones in December. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk briefly about what is in the White Sand Omnibus. What is different other than obviously it packages all three volumes of White Sand together. What's in it? I don't know why I thought Joff would just do this part. Like <laughs> mentally, I'm just like. Just Joff, too, I had this thing wrong. Joff so, is totally going to do this. Yep. So. This is in it. Yeah, that's great. We're I like how that made your page. camera worse. I like oh, that. Is, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so in the white sand on the bus. <laughs> okay. So there's uh, well, okay. There's there's uh, there's a new prologue, uh, which has two two Chris scenes and one Kenton scene. Yeah. Um, there is two additional Chris scenes that are stuck in I think part uh, chapter one and chapter three. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is this is a new artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is notably good art. That artist. It, it's it's actually it's, yeah. it's really good. It's it's my favorite white really sand artist. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the yeah. best. So yeah. save the best for last. Awesome. Wish wish we got you earlier, but yeah. you know we res- we respect all comers. It's definitely a little bit of a jarring transition to the original artist uh, there. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I, I think it helps that like you start. Well, we'll get into that later. Um, it also has our Sarcanum pages. So yep. there's uh, how, how many are there? There's uh, more than a like dozen. 20 ish. Uh, but they cover 16. so they cover um, 16 of them. They cover world happens. building. So there's like culture stuff about day side yeah. and dark side. There's stuff about magic. <laughs> there's stuff about um, religion and, and all just world building stuff. So you just didn't get cool. in the graphic novel. Yeah. Yep. And it does a lot to one of my big complaints with the original with Chris, was she didn't really feel like herself. And it does a lot to be like, yeah. oh, look, here's here's the things Chris are writing and thinking about. Yeah. That you're not necessarily always getting yep. from what's going on yep. in the events. Yeah. There's also so um, less obvious. Um, there's actually a lot of rewrites on the dialogue, um, especially in basically the entirety of volume one. Um, there's pretty extensive changes. And so that actually goes into, that was one thing I think that they're trying to do there is make Chris better. Um, and so there's a lot of rewriting yeah. with Chris and things like that. Um, and there's, there's also other small changes. So go ahead. narration, right? Yeah. Just like essentially thought bubbles and, and yeah. narration that have been either added or changed. Yeah. Like throughout. Yeah. It's all like the consistent Ars Arcanum font. It's like, oh, I'm Chris writing the thing in this day. Oh, it's so good. There's uh, lots of other small changes. Uh, the boombox is gone. The horses Dad, are gone. The boombox. <laughs> the boombox is gone. gone. I know. I know. You yeah. can't even tell. It's like it was never there. I know. Yeah, they did a great job touching it up. No more ceiling fan or horses. 
and uh, electric no, lights. No electric lights. There were dozens, dozens <laughs> of electric lamps, and they removed every single one of them. It's wow. amazing. Oh my nice. gosh, that's that's pretty good. Those Taldanians just forgetting they invented electricity. <laughs> All right. You know what we need on day side? More light. <laughs> More light. Like, we can't open a window. That wouldn't work. <laughs> or a skylight. Well, I, I think I think most of them were in the in the dark side district, right? In in Lonzare. No, it, it was like um, in Ice's house. I remember that was, that was like a lamp at the of them, bedside table. They, but there were some of them in the Diem. Yeah, I mean, I, like, oh, I, I, I remember the ceiling fan in Kenton's dad's office. <laughs> like, I remember that. And then, like, the assassins come in. Yeah. At least there was one in the tent. At a certain point, you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they just keep their electric radios in the tent. I, I always imagined that they had a sandmaster pushing a wheel to generate electricity, you know? <laughs> Making sand go. Yeah, 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 on. yeah. To be fair, you could totally do that. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, that can, was our meme. We, we've done three White Sand episodes, which you should definitely listen to because they're quite a trip uh, where we go through it uh, in extensive detail. There's some lore changes as well, actually. Kind of. Uh, in so that dark, dark side magic. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of tidbits about that. Yeah, it's no okay. longer sky colors. They are now star marks. And if you're like, wow, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, yep, you're right. <laughs> That's right, listener. <laughs> they were a thing that was mentioned, and now they're mentioned a little more. <laughs> a little more. But with a different name. Nice. But, hey, but it's canon for now. It so is canon. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> this Stay is exactly what I, what I wanted from this episode of just like all the sass about this. It's, it's really good. <laughs> Uh, Stay tuned for the vacation is dead. Satification is dead. That's right. Uh, It didn't make any sense. And I would like to offer a full throat defense of satification in this moment, which I always kind of liked. I think that it was fun and I enjoy being able to have a busted thing in a magic system where you can just really, really go. Mm. But it's okay. It it didn't make that much sense. But yeah, I think it's the it, it. internal consistency of like how though is like yeah. the weird part well and brandon usually tries to prevent you from like breaking his magic systems that easily he or he usually tries to bring in a second one and then he breaks everything as yeah. opposed to just for yeah. the initial magic yeah. it's like you can't soul cast gems but it was kind of cool yeah it was kind of fun and mm-hmm. uh we we learn about uh good old emperor skathen and his star carved and we'll talk about that yeah, and he's not a pirate anymore. He's depirated <laughs> the picture of him. Not is, or is the picture even still there? I did see it. it. Yeah, yeah, they removed yeah, the it. Original. Yeah. Is it volume two? I think. I think it's so. Volume yeah. two or three? Yeah. It wasn't volume one. Yeah. Oh he, yeah. I was like, wait, did I miss it in my reread? Did they just remove the giant spread he, of yeah. Skaven? I think he's <laughs> okay, gone. gone. He wow. was. He's gonna be in parts of the Caribbean six instead. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just called at the border ocean <laughs> but they did um they did actually make changes to the art they rearranged and like removed a lot of art too which i guess is worth pointing out that like um so like there's panels where they've like rearranged some of the panel like taken the art from like one panel and moved it to like a different page or a different part mm-hmm. of the page they've removed things like there was a picture of emperor skathen and they just they scrapped that um, so there's some kind of re, re, reorganization there as well. 
not an easy task for a graphic novel, I imagine. Like, that's a lot of work. I am astounded by how seamless it all, well, seems, right? It, mm-hmm. it, and it feels a lot better than uh, the original volumes, I would say. And, you, you know, you can kind of tell who's John Akron and Cinder. So that's nice. That's, that is huge. It, it's kind of like a recut. You can think about it like that, I think. And it's easier because yeah. you don't have to re-record dialogue. You can just... You just write. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to go all into to more depth, but uh, that that's the White Sand Omnibus, like what, what you're getting. Um, and honestly, considering each volume retailed for like $30, $35, it's, you know, it's definitely a better deal if you've never read White Sand, you know? Don't, if you want to buy a graphic novel, do not go buy the individual volumes definitely not stage. you absolutely should not do that. yeah don't do that at all i don't you will get you'll spend more money for an inferior product yep. so absolutely but i think uh talking about the business we 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 do we do need to talk about uh, dynamite's indiegogo campaign on this so Let's let's have some background dynamite has never been good with white sand release dates ever Maybe volume one, maybe because there was a release party for that one. Yeah, there was a release party. We had a date. There were signed and numbered copies available. That was almost like a regular brand and release with no tour. A little less, a little less commotion. Yeah. Volume two and three, just it's release dates. I mean, granted, Amazon does make up release dates, but they did keep getting pushed back like three, four times each. Uh, And then I think volume three just came out of nowhere. Like we were not expecting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think what really got like volume two eventually was given a release date. I don't know that volume three necessarily there was like a press release or like any sort of pre It was very sudden. And and it really like I don't think there was any hype for it at all. No. Oh, no. There was no hype. No. (laughs) No, no. No hype. What year did it come out? Was it was it the same time around Oathbringer? Seems like maybe it came out like right before Oathbringer, so nobody was really. No, well, volume one came out in 2016. So Mm. uh, the second part was February 2018, apparently. Okay. Um, And volume three was Mm. September 2019. So we're like we're like actually in release desert in 2019, you know, Um, where like there was Starsight. Right. And Skyward. But like Oathbringer to Rhythm of War was, you know, that was a bit of a break. Whereas uh, Mm -hmm. Stormlight four to five, we don't have a Cosmere Desert here. Well, I I guess we do. The White Sand Omnibus is out. We do have a Cosmere Desert, but a desert of Cosmere content. We we don't. We have a lot of it. We have many Cosmere books here. Dynamite made a Indiegogo campaign in last February. Uh, so February 2022, it is February 2023, and I don't have my slipcase edition. So they said it was going to ship in June. Not great. Uh, last year. La- yeah, yeah, June of last year. Yeah, to be it's clear. Like, I mean, not the coming June? I've, I've been totally happy with my service so far. <laughs> uh, also notably, I think it, in Spain, they got it out in May. Uh, and other ones got it all out last summer no problems there i think some of them was a volume one like some of them it wasn't the whole thing 
but they did get translations out. I believe at least one of the foreign editions wasn't which, a total. Which, like, total you know, translating all the dialogue of a thing, that's that, like, takes a while. So the fact that they beat them to the punch is not great. And my, my understanding is Dynamite Dynamite has 63 different Indiegogo campaigns. Uh, and this one was not dealt with well. I don't recommend the experience. I, will I, say. I haven't looked closely. I think this is by far the biggest they've done. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're I don't think their Indiegogos usually are like this. Yeah. 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 So what what happened? Uh, basically, they said we 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 had the thing in February of last year. Uh, we basically got no info from February until the end of May. And they're like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll we're working out the the deli- the printing and delivery timetable. I'm like, oh, so you had none of this planned for, before <laughs> before then, none. Mm-hmm. And and I think there were things like like there was a paper shortage. That's fair. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is the stage in my head where you know because I think of it as a company with that's not used to. You know, I think this was funded four thousand percent. Like this is a big campaign. Like yeah. we really, we really overshot their goal. And so, if that happens, in my mind, this is the stage where you say, "Hey guys, this was a lot bigger than we thought. Like, expect this to not go quite as smoothly as we had outlined. Like, start, start prepping the field for a delay. If you, if you have an inkling, a delay is coming. In yeah. my opinion, but yeah, but like, weren't there things with like? It didn't seem like they had the slipcase thing all done and set up and even by June. Which well, like they, de- they definitely did it. <laughs> like <laughs> I just like yeah, it, there were more copies sold, but if you're selling special editions, wouldn't you just cap the number of special editions to what the printer can do? There was a cap at first for the slipcase because it was signed and yeah. and they and then they people wanted to buy it even after those copies were out and Brandon couldn't sign more because he has he should probably be signing sure, less. Sure. So they added more the ability to buy the slipcase edition yeah. unsigned. Yeah. And I don't think there were any strings attached to that. There was not like these will come later like they kind of do with leather bounds or anything. Yeah. And that still hasn't happened. Uh, so I think they they just they really expanded the print order, which kind of explains why one might expect a paper shortage or production delays. I mean, the same thing kind of happened with Tress a little bit, you know, where they had to find much more room at that printer than they had initially booked with them. Yeah, it's just things like when they say in June, the book is designed, completed, designed and approved. So it's about press time. And then in July, then they say the exact same thing. (laughs) We are happy to tell you that the print files have been approved by everyone and and (laughs) are at the printer being compiled for the print process. It we're told the most challenging part of the job is the slipcase production. So you had none of this planned. And it's just it's not it's not good. It's bad. There were a lot of we're just fixing a few more details with Dragon's Deal. Like they were we're almost to finalized, which it was a lot of updates that really made it seem like nothing was happening, or it was an update to say something as opposed to an update with information, yeah. which is a tricky spot to be in because sometimes people want information and you don't have anything to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but yeah, so 
And uh, I don't think it's Dragonsteel because Peter uh, last June uh, had this to say on Reddit. Uh, and I, I think this is a good one. That This isn't a whole thread about uh, my Sand Omnibus update. Yeah, I think that's a great call, Evgeny. Uh, for those of you audio, uh, I think uh, Evgeny's uh, getting some booze and some beer. Do you have um, a tap on your desk or was that just sitting there <laughs> ready to go? You're, you're like, for this segment, we need we need this. I, I installed one tap just in case because I knew where this episode was going to go. You know, no, you know. Yep, you got it in faster. Mm, there you go. So Peter says, we've been very frustrated at the speed this has been going a year ago. So this would be June 2021, to be clear. We fully expected the book to be on store shelves by now, which would have been June 2022. We gave them everything we believed they needed long ago. And any required tweaks after that should have taken hours, not months. Ouch! <laughs> Brutal! The fact that Spain was able to get their version out yeah. in May is like really the only piece of evidence you need, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can other places publish. Too. Yeah. And like, I, I haven't, I don't own a Spanish copy, but like from the photos that I have seen, the quality of that omnibus seems comparable yeah. to, you know, this thing or, or at least the soft cover, right? Yeah. So if you can translate all of that and get it out, that like, yeah. what are you doing, Dynamite? With, yeah, with a graphic novel, it's not just like translating the language. It's like you got to like, I don't know, I, I, at least to me, it seems like putting the text in a graphic novel is a little bit more complex than like just changing the, the documents. I guess, I guess it's fewer words, but. Yeah, that's, yeah, what, that's what I feel like kind of balances it out, like that's, a little a more point. formatting, but a lot less text to change than one would have in an yeah. actual novel. I'm sure it's still awful regardless, but I guess the only the only kind of redeeming factor that I can think of is that Spain probably had to deal with a much, much lower volume of True. things they True. needed mm-hmm. to print and produce. The, the publisher is also a lot larger than Dynamite. I, I, it was published oh, by Noble, okay. which is like a major publisher. Major so like, it's, it's their sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. It's their tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that just printing delays. Sure. It's a smaller company. I just don't know why you decided to do a slipcase and not have it designed by the time the, the Indiegogo started to see if you can do it. Cause uh, just just last week, in fact, the the print run for the slipcase editions, 75% of them were were damaged and they have to do an entire new print run. That's not good. <laughs> That's bad. That's wild. That's, and, that's wild. And OK, and I will say the cynical part of me was like, you know, I bet they put them all upside down because they sent them the file wrong or something. And Dynamite's <laughs> now like covering that. Like they're now they're just like, don't worry, guys. These were on date. These were totally ruined. There's no way. But they they post some photos and they don't look great. No, like, they're, no. like I, I, if I got it in that condition, I would not be happy. So I, and they I definitely should to- take the heat and print a whole new thing of them. So like they're, like they're definitely losing money on that. So good. good. You should definitely do that. Um, there, there was just always this tone in the updates that's like, yeah, things are finally moving. And it's like, but they should have. Shouldn't you have had the contract in place to print the amount of copies you had. Before the Indigo, <laughs> I don't know, or like yeah. something, I don't know. Or like, 
I mean, like, I feel like you'd have to have, like, you have to budget the cost of the slipcase edition yep. so you could make sure you set the price yeah, point right. at the correct surely, level. Surely, right? Sold the copy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but. And then they were kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, it, they said October, then late October. Uh, oh, yeah. First, it, we're on track for first week of December. Like, it, well, yeah, okay. Oh, oh, one other thing. So the digital the digital well <laughs> yeah first of all the digital thing on their site said that the digital edition would be shipping at the end of august and that was just on their listing for like ever and until mm-hmm. the end of august when i emailed them and they're like oh yeah that's a mistake oh great mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then the digital files got mistakenly sent out in october i think that was this is my favorite one uh because i it was just so frustrating because I understand the whole point behind holding back the digital files was we want everyone to get it at the same time, yeah. which, they, yes. which they executed beautifully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so they're like, uh-huh. no, no, like, uh, and like, you know, people, I, myself included on the campaign are like, can you guys put these up for sale so we can just buy a copy or maybe with a discount, you know, trying to get something out of them. So we're not like, so we can read it and look at it if it's ready to go. And they're like, nope, we want to hold on to it. Fair enough. Sounds good. Eventually, people on Reddit and just plays in the internet are like, hey, I got my digital copy. It's here. And, you know, people on the internet are often wrong or confused. And so there's a little bit of time spent trying to, like, verify that this is actually the omnibus. They didn't buy volume three digital and got confused. This is really it. There were I commented on the Indiegogo page just being like, hello, did you guys send out? the coffees did you send them out and the response was no no we absolutely did not there's no way uh who's saying this uh and i was like well i'll go look and then the next comment was from someone who had a coffee a backer who was like i got mine here it is and then uh tried to explain to me they were like no they're supposed to go out and i'm like the person above you is the president saying they're not supposed to go out so i think they're not supposed to be out uh here's two more who got them somebody internally mistakenly misunderstood something and sent out all the digital copies to everybody months early, but they would not be available for anybody else backer, non-backer to buy or purchase. Those were just out there for a while. So we really locked into the 65 (laughs) digital only backers having their copies (laughs) and nobody else. I think the core issue with the delays is that they didn't just bundle in the digital copy for the expensive people who, who, who bought, like if I didn't separately get the omnibus, uh, like, like I had to separately buy that, right? It wasn't included in my $85 slipcase edition, which like, (laughs) I feel like that should be included. Dark Eric. one, you pre-ordered it. You got both the digital and the physical. I think maybe there's a contract issue because I did see, you know, uh, one one of the Kickstarter or Indiegogo comments were like saying, it's like, well, we would, we can't do that because we need to send royalties for each of them. And well, you know, maybe you should have included the digital in the contracts in the first place. I don't know. And then you could have just said when they're delayed in June, you could have sent the digital files and then people would be like, great. Well, yeah, cool. I still get the product, but you know, then uh, I'll, I'll get the printed thing later. And like, that would have just gone so much better than any of this. I don't know. It's frustrating. Oh, it's definitely frustrating. And I think part of it is I just don't think that they had the PR or the communication or like the planning capabilities 
to execute the campaign. And I do think it makes some of Dragonsteel's Kickstarters a little more impressive in hindsight, you know, like just that's, looking at it, you're like, point. you know what? They did a pretty good job for just kind of coming at this with not a lot of experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the number of the number of backers they actually managed to provide stuff for. Conspiracy theory. This was all planned by Dragonsteel so that when they did their <laughs> secret project deliveries, if they made any mistakes, it would make them look better. <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yeah. But I, I mean, the, the danger with that, obviously, is people are like, mm, Brandon's name's on this. So now I don't want to back anything. But I, I, I know you're joking, obviously. Uh, here. I do. I do feel like, you know, it could be related to trust because they had their paper shortages or whatnot. But sure. there's been a few times where I feel like in a non sequitur way, Brandon has meant like referenced on like a weekly update video. Where he's like, you know, like sometimes things just take. Longer than you think, and there are paper delays. <laughs> and I'm like, that has got to be, that's got to be white sand omnibus, like shadow yeah. talk right there. Yeah, it's it's just really unfortunate. Uh, and I've never really liked the tone in their updates. Like this product's going to be so great, guys. It's going to be so good. It, it's going to be just the best product. And like, I mean, at this stage, yeah, I do want the best product. But like, you could maybe be a little more humble that it's very clear that you screwed a lot of things up in this process. I don't know. You're like, just make an apology. That's that's not spin. It's not that hard. I mean, maybe it is. It's it's just a shame because it's actually a good product. That's the thing that annoys me. Yeah. Like, it's actually good. But now I'm like, I don't want to recommend it to anyone because <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really kind of a bummer in that way. But there's a it's, bunch of cool stuff in it. Yeah. Do we, why, do we, why don't we talk why don't about we, the actual product? Why don't we talk about the actual stuff? Because it is good. It is good. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about uh, the prologue and what we'll talk about, you know, so just some of the changes and differences with characters. And uh, if, if you want to just get to the lore stuff, there'll be a timestamp where we talk about the Arza Canum stuff. Don't worry. But let, let's talk about this first. Uh, what you guys? Lore. I know, I know. The aethers of lore. <laughs> the aethers of lore. Every every time we talk about lore, I'm like, how do I make an aether joke? Should I make an yeah. aether joke? Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, what do you guys think of the prologue? It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the artists help. Like the art is the best art that they've had. I mean, it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's just a thing, but. Mm -hmm. yeah. I I feel like when. You know, the, the opening scene is Chris on a ship making that crossing over to Dayside. And I feel like the illustration of their first sunrise, like it feels like you're seeing the sun for the first time. Like it really, it, you could easily be like, oh, and there's the sun. And it's a little underwhelming, but no, it, it whoever they picked, I wish I knew the name off the top of my head, knocked it out of the park. Nebetse Zitro. Thank you, Nebetse. Yeah, for I think I've heard Finally capturing... <laughs> white sand yeah it, like because that was a moment in the prose that we just didn't get in the the previous one i think that that was uh the the prologue in the prose i think it it was it's expanded a little bit like the crit the yeah. chris working on the on the pocket watch mm. is kind of a new component to it yeah, and, yeah some sure. of, and some of that stuff is kind of beyond the prologue into the first early couple chapters but chris's early sections of the book have been restored to yeah. this version of the graphic novel which i felt really helped just smoothly introduce us to the characters and so we have we immediately get chris stuff we get kenton stuff and so it's a very smooth read now into volume one so i i really liked that 
uh, actually. Mm-hmm. In the original graphic novels, Chris is almost like this side character, I think, who's mm. just sort of there to help Kenton out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like in in the omnibus, she's a main character in her own right. And I think that this prologue establishes that really well. Like it sets that you sets you off on the right foot to to do that. Um, establishing her as a character and her relationships with everybody else um, and making her yeah. story central to the plot as well. Mm-hmm. And I she remember- has goals and motivations that are and character that are all established in those first however many pages there yeah. are. Mm-hmm. I remember reading the, you know, the first volume of the graphic novel uh, and, you know, Chris shows up kind of midway through and yeah. they, I think they're together until the end or cl- close to the end. And I remember wondering as I was reading it, like, are there going to be Chris standalone parts or is this just become Kenton's story in this adaptation? Like, yeah, adding, adding those early parts is really helpful. And I think it changes her introduction in the original graphic novel. I felt like was just the worst way to do it. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like there's I, there, a, a lot is made about the pose that she strikes when she's walking into the room in there. But I feel like Duchess Chrysella of Ellis or whatever. I always can't remember if it's Ellis or Cliss. I always mess no, up. It is Alice. Ellis. But like that, her being nobility is just such a minor part of her character. And I feel like that was just she was introduced as the stuck up noble woman. And I was like, that's not really ever been a big part of my, you know, having read the prose of the read of her and that character, even early on. She went from stuck up noble woman in a fancy dress in the middle of the desert. Who's sort of striding in and and doesn't really know anything that's going on. Like that's her introduction originally. And now her introduction is, Oh, I'm tinkering on a, on a clock because I've got this theory about how their time works. And I'm going to let, you know, build this device. Um, Yeah completely like worlds apart and clearly like i'm going on this expedition she has motivations it's just a lot better uh i mean man i it's hard for me to remember how volume my original volume one thoughts guess i can listen to the podcast uh about it because we did one chris's introduction weird and ice being introduced chat the last chapter of vol- volume one very weird as well but uh so Omnibus smooths that all out because you're not just getting the first six chapters of an 18 chapter story. Helps a lot. I want to go back to the art yeah. real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not in the prologue, but it's still one of the new pages that were, that were added. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like, so those of you who are watching the video will see that. Those of you who are not, will not, but it's not a big deal. So I want to point to this top panel right here. Like this, okay. this section of three panels, right? With okay. the diagonal thing. Okay. I feel like the original book had very either static paneling mm. or very confused paneling in some cases. So like when, when panels were, were broken up in an interesting way, they were just broken up for the sake of like being broken up. Whereas this one that I'm going to put on screen again, like yeah. there is action to it and there's like sense yeah. of motion yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the the quality it, it's not just the quality of the art that we like better because art is subjective you can like yeah. certain things more than others Absolutely. but also just the quality of the composition of this being a graphic novel i feel like has been improved by this new artist mm-hmm. and that's that's important Mm -hmm. And one more global art change that I don't think we've mentioned so far, too, is I do think that it's clear the characters in some cases have been redrawn slightly to make them more distinguishable from each other. Like the John Akron Cinder thing is one, but 
many of the sandmasters in their white robes mm. if they're not <laughs> if they're not square on and sometimes even if they are you're like who are you i have i yeah. like are you praxton are you dryle are you ken's got hair so that's helpful well and Kenton has of... darker skin now right now yep. he's, yeah. mm-hmm. uh you know half dark cider so that that helps a lot for him right and he yep. immediately shows his uh ethnicity and they they made it consistent so like all the dark sider talk is in like the blue text boxes so that was that was pretty clear i felt yeah also the the sashes of the sandmasters are now much more vibrant and pronounced so mm-hmm. even though they they all wear the same robes uh except for the the accolades the sashes make them much more distinguishable right so you can see like a, a vibrant blue sash or a yellow one or a, or an orange one and that also helps you differentiate mm-hmm. them yeah, yeah. They, they look kind of washed out in the original mm-hmm. yeah i mean pretty much every sandmaster in the original is a bald white guy <laughs> with dull with white clothes and a dull colored belt like that's yep. just, they're all like that yeah, um, yeah. They, they gave they gave they, you see it in the in the prologue like they gave Aloran his friend or i'm sorry trabin like they gave him black hair in the original he was just bald just like everybody else um i think they gave praxton hair they gave everybody colorful belts uh, they yeah. didn't so they didn't just add the belts to like give some color but they made the belts like meaningful and consistent with like what the lore is um which yeah. I, I think is important to point out too that like they didn't just like go into like make these changes to like make it look better but they actually like made the world building like world building <laughs> yeah because because there's a whole other canon art. pages about the the mastral rank or the sorry the sand master ranks mastral is one of them uh mm-hmm. and like that that fit really nicely yeah, it, it was very hard to tell who was who in the original art and so they they definitely cleaned it up uh i, I still wish man it would it would just be so great if the prologue artist was the artist for the whole thing but you know Art's very expensive. That's fine. You can't you can't redo the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and that would be unusual. Yeah. If yeah, if you redraw the whole thing, at what point are you just like, okay, we're making a whole new product? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, for sure. Yeah, that's, I just wish you know in the oh, alternate yeah. universe for sure, for sure. And I do think another another art change. Now that we're back on that, is it's not. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a hundred percent universal, but a lot of the times, sand mastery was portrayed somewhat unclearly mm, yes in the art like there's a the number of ribbons a sandmaster can control is a matter of some significance and yeah. we very rarely saw a ribbon of anything like you know sometimes they were in like a like a, a whirlwind sandstorm type thing but some of the some of the sandmaster has been re, like redrawn to show oh he's using ribbons of sand like look it, just it like made a lot bed. more sense yeah and so, not only that, but the actual ribbons are more like pronounced and you can see more of a glow to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's less, you know, I'm using magic that glows and there's power here and more. Oh, there are ribbons or streams of power that I am controlling. Yeah. So have you all read the prose version? Mm-hmm. A long yes, time ago. <laughs> I have not read the prose. I've never read the prose. I did not realize that sand mastery works using ribbons. Yeah. yeah. I read the omnibus. Yeah. It was entirely unclear. Um, like yeah. later on in the graphic novels, you get the scene where like Kenton is with Deeran and he's like testing out like, and he like figures out how to like collapse the, you know, them. And then like yeah. in the final battle, I think they fight with, it's like, there's a little bit of that idea that's there, but I like, I just had no proper concept for like what's in the omnibus. 
Like I didn't, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> the the prologue amazing. with that initial Kenton scene really makes it very clear uh, mm-hmm. him doing some sand mastery like before the Mastral's path to like really establish what's going on. And uh, in, in that sense, it really sets up the whole the whole thing with ribbons, because that's that's the yeah. whole thing with the magical <laughs> mystery of like Kenton getting more ribbons and I need more ribbons to defeat Dryl. Uh but maybe I don't need that, uh, which mm-hmm. am- amusingly worked a lot better for me in this than the prose, which I was always disappointed that it was just, <laughs> oh, I just use one ribbon really good. <laughs> I don't know. It worked better for yeah. me here. Well, but. they've got what is the name of that game that they kind of they established Zoken. that. Okay, they established yeah. that in the prologue yep. and in one of the Ars Arcanum pages, yep. too. So that does kind of like another piece of information foreshadowing. That the incredible skill of using one ribbon yeah. is something Kenton has practiced at and is really good at. It, it even mentions it in the battle, Zoken, like that. So yeah. they tightened up the dialogue and he's like, it's so good. It's actually good. <laughs> Thematically, it, it connects really nicely. Like it closes his entire arc. Mm-hmm. Like his story started with, oh, I am weak. I only have one ribbon, but I can, I'm very fast with it. It's also very efficient. It doesn't drain my water because it's only a single ribbon. All these guys are bullying me and they have all these many ribbons. And then I crush them with my one because I'm so good and so fast. And then at the end of the story, exactly the same thing happens. Like he's facing somebody with like 20, 25 ribbons or whatever Dryo has. And his one is so fast and so controlled that he's yeah. able to, ah. to defeat him. It it feels like a Brandon magic twist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, whereas yeah. the original didn't, it just kind of felt like, oh, he figured out how to be a better yeah. sandmaster. And I, I didn't realize until this conversation how much that Kenton prologue scene is doing so much heavy lifting because I'm like, oh, that's nice that they're introducing Kenton. But now I'm like, no, 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 this was so important to the entire <laughs> book and how uh, this entire thing went here. They went through the early chapters with Kenton and they kind of like tried to make the magic work with what they with what was there with what they had and kind of they sh- they drew in some ribbons to kind of make it and they reworked the dialogue to kind of emphasize that. But it can only do so much because it's it's they're just trying to kind of patch what's there. And so I yeah. think it helped to have this prologue scene to like do fresh art exactly the way they want to do it. So then when you get to the scenes that are a little bit more sketchy, it's you, you have sketchy. that you know, previous conception of what's supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I think it also on a character standpoint, Kenton can be a little like angry, angsty, you know, like that, like half of his, half of his time is spent sort of like yelling, like I'm now what my father thinks, <laughs> you know? And so it's fun. It's nice to have it like a, a fun Kenton scene early on too, to kind of introduce him as a guy that you like, because he's likable enough, but he's a little more sympathetic in my mind in the prologue scene here. Yeah, because he's like being bullied and like anyone, we're all nerds here. It's like, yeah, man, like screw those guys. Those guys suck. Uh, and it's like, yeah, get him. It, 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 that, that is immediately sympathetic or as opposed to no way, dad. I'm not going to bring the boom box. No, that's, that's not, yeah. what, that's not, what I'm going to do what I want. I want to go on the path. Yeah. 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 Cause when you open with that, it's just like very whiny Anakin mm. Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, at the vibes, end of it, really. you're like, they had a point. Like he could, he almost died. Like, <laughs> he did a, yeah, 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 yeah. It, and it did seem like Praxton was less of an asshole. He is. Yeah. 
like he's not nice <laughs> right but it's very much like yeah i mean i can give you this rank of mastral but no one will respect you for it and like i i didn't want to do that right mm-hmm. and and he does have a point there and he does have a point that you will die on the mastral's path and things mm-hmm. when you guys do your cosmere dad's tier list you might have to do like an OG, <laughs> OG, oh, OG yeah, yeah. Praxton, yeah. and a and a and a pro or like a revised Praxton. You can, you o- OG Praxton is F tier. New Praxton <laughs> is D tier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe C tier. Maybe no. C minus. Okay, okay. They um they they changed some of the dialogue that comes from Praxton, but one thing that I thought was really interesting was a very very subtly, um, constantly in those opening chapters, he calls Kenton. Originally, he called Kenton boy. <laughs> And in boy. this one, they changed every instance of boy to son. So like, it's just like this, like really simple thing to like change one word to kind of make him like, I don't know, way less terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the prose, whether he said boy or son uh, like that. That could boy could have been yeah. how the prose was. But like yeah. maybe this, this still makes the product better mm-hmm. in a way. Right. It, yeah. It doesn't hurt to remind you that he is his dad. You know, sometimes in graphic novels, it's easy to forget establishing facts when you don't have their monologue going. Yeah, I true. looked at my father. You know? <laughs> and I, I felt this like maybe the original did this. OK, but it definitely felt like, oh, in a lot of ways, Kenton is just as stubborn as his dad in many ways. And like that character wise worked really nicely for me uh, there because yeah, I bet Praxton is very stubborn. Is like, just Kenton, why will you not listen to me? Holy crap. And Kenton's like, no, I'm just as stubborn as you, but totally the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His dad's like, you could be the, like, you are the least successful Lestral that we will ever make, and you could have that, but you don't want it. This goes back to another thing the prologue establishes, I think, because in um, the prologue sets up like his whole, like, wanting to kind of wanting the sandmasters to evolve feeling like they're stuck and 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 they're they're lazy and they're mm. um prideful and that sets all that up in the prologue that this is what kenton wants and so then when he when the when you get into chapter one and beyond um you understand that kenton has this like purpose where he's like he has this goal he has this dream for what the dm should be like yeah in the original he just seems like he's just kind of stubbornly fighting against the man because <laughs> yeah yeah because that's what he yeah. does it turns out having characters with overall goals helps a lot chris kenton who would have thought but oh i prefer characters that seem to be making decisions moment to moment out of pure instinct eric that's, that's oh you mean like chris story. wanting to be a sand master <laughs> that, that was still just the weirdest way to end that's- volume two I am ready to be a sandmaster. And and like if you if we had known they were heading towards Bayon being able to do it and it being a thing, like, you know, which you know that would have been a spoiler. I mean, maybe I would have wouldn't have rolled my eyes so hard, but at the time I was like, okay, well now we're doing this pointless plot. It, right. it solely <laughs> like, because we're selling this in three volumes, right? Like yeah. that's the only reason it's there, right? Uh it's, but yeah, it is the equivalent of watching a netflix show and seeing the pause for the for the credits or the commercials and you're like okay it's (laughs) a cliffhanger yeah that's probably the part that in the omnibus still feels the weirdest like uh another thing was going from the 
what I really love of the prologue art to the the original art. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, right, okay. But but like you do get used to it, and surprisingly, like when we get the scenes interspersed, like it was definitely like less jarring, uh, which I was kind of surprised by because the art is pretty different with those Chris those added Chris things before Chris and Kenton meet. But like it, I didn't mind it so much actually. Uh, but definitely that first art jump was really weird. I think it helps when you go from like OG Kenton art to new Chris art. I think it helps that Chris is now being established with the new art with the mm. prologue. And so you kind of associate that with her. And so jumping to her POV with her art feels more okay than, you know, going from one art style in one scene to another art style in that same scene, mm. which happens when you go from the second artist to the third artist. <clears throat> one, one thing that I kind of wonder if the new art also helps with is like, there is the artist change in, <laughs> in going into the end of volume two yep. and into volume three, right? Chapters. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Chapter 12 and then That's chapter 13 jarring. and beyond. <laughs> it's the last and, chapter of, yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. just one chapter. Yeah. It's also, so I, yeah. I kind of wonder like for a new reader, if it would help to like go ahead and like from the very beginning, be like, Oh, here's one art style. Oh, we've already changed. That's art style. actually true. As opposed to, to like, 11 chapters and then the 12th one yeah. be totally different because that definitely got a lot of people in volume two. Like, Whoa, this is very different. And it doesn't help that that one chapter art was my favorite style of all of them. <laughs> Even more than the prologue. Or just well, in the originally. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I thought volume three was a pretty good balance between those yeah. styles. It was a balance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I still liked, I still like that, that one better. It was very clean. Like it yeah. was really, it was re after not being able to tell what was happening in some <laughs> of the original art, it was really nice to definitely know what was happening. <laughs> just that, hard lines, chapter. you know? Yeah. You were like, yeah. it did. here's who this character is. There's where they're standing. We cut out the horse. They're now a tonk. That's good. Um, <laughs> although, should there even be tonks? Uh, because they're like, oh, we got to get the tonks away because the river in the water, you know. They, but Eric, you know, it's fine. Eric, they're already just scaly horses anyway. So that's, you know, that's true. That's true. There's a, there's a strong resemblance. I I love the, uh, the in the new scene where Chris like spills water on her tonks horn or whatever and melts it. Yeah, and calls him stumpy. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if that was actually in the art though. <laughs> like it didn't look like it was it, even it in the art. I think it did. I think her, oh, okay. her tonk had a stumpy horn. Oh, I think okay. that's I think that's from the pros too. Okay. That was something they brought in. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, yeah, I, I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah. Yeah. But just like the the danger that Chris felt in those early chapters of just, oh, we're like probably gonna die and you need to abandon those people. Like it Getting Chris and Bayon's uh, rapport it really helped with the ending of just Chris thinking, oh, I, I think of titles and not people, uh, which really helps with that nobility thing, uh, David, because, mm -hmm. yeah, she doesn't. Her nobility isn't a big aspect, but she doesn't read people awesomely you know and doesn't mm -hmm. really understand people and then she learns to understand it feels like there's a lot of growth even though she's still a very competent scientist like she can negotiate on behalf of kenton and do very well at that uh so mm -hmm. we got a good character arc with chris now
Oh yeah. And I think nobility is a part of it. It's just for me, yeah. that's like never like that would be like the third or the fourth adjective I would yeah. use yeah. for her. And yeah. it was the first thing we were given in her original yeah. introduction. Yeah. I I do really like too, this is a minor thing that they brought back from the pros. The the concept of having only one language that you know when you show up and it accidentally being the holy language <laughs> that was, of the yeah, people that was good. who that was are going to be furious at you for speaking it is a horrible situation to be in. And that's hilarious. Yeah, because I was that like, was oh, so how much has this language changed in 500 years? It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And just establishing all the Darksiders just a lot better and more cleanly uh, and uh, Josh, did they like cut some of the Darksider introductions later uh, because we didn't need it because we kind of knew the characters at that point? I don't think they ever had introductions. <laughs> in the well, because there, there was, was like a part like, where oh, like Kenton is like meeting and like getting the introductions of all the names of these people. Oh, yeah. Like um, there might have been like one scene, like one bubble where they're like, oh, by the way, these are our names. And then I'm just John Akron and I'm Cinder. There was. I don't think there was ever any scene like a whole like page or whatever where they're like explaining like who they oh, are. Okay, well, fast no. yeah. improvement. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it may have been just a panel that's like, oh, this is the anthropologist, this is the the linguist. It really yeah. didn't help in that original that sometimes John Akron and Cinder were swapped. <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> that really yeah, didn't, that help. didn't help at all. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard because one of them is a traitor, too. So later when they make the reveal, you're like, which one is the traitor? <laughs> I, I did really I did. need to think about that. But now I'm like, OK, no, I had to go to the compromise. OK, is it Cinder? Or is it John Aker? And it's like, OK, it's John Aker. OK, cool. Um, I thought it helped. And, and maybe this is just like my hindsight, because I know that one of them is going to be a traitor. But like reading even as early as the prologue, like John Akron reads low-key sinister mm. in a lot of places uh or like he's this like he's supposed to be the anthropologist right he's supposed to be the one who like is interested in other cultures and is fascinated by them and understands them and whatever and like in so many of the scenes that he is in he is dismissive and rude and just doesn't care about this other culture that supposedly mm. like this is supposed to be a haven for like he should be super excited to learn about all of this stuff and he's just like oh they're barbaric and savage oh they are 1200 years behind us how quaint mm-hmm. and in fact there's a scene there's a scene where he's like oh how quaint and then there's a panel where bayon looks at him and goes yes how I definitely see what you're saying, but I also think they were going for some like 18th century. uh, Hey, we're going to see uh, the other places and hey, the anthropologists here to study are not great. So like they they do that pretty well, you know? Yeah, that's that is a theme that was in the prose that I think comes through better, too, is a lot of people making assumptions about what cultures and what technologies are superior because they do that with with Lausanne and the Carlo. What is Kirstians? Kirstians. Kirstians. What's the name of the country, though? Kirsta. Kirsta. There's too many Ks. Kirsta and the Carlo. Yeah. But, you know, where they they make assumptions about Lausanne because it looks much more like their society, but they're the poorer, 
weaker nation, you know, in many ways, at least in the dynamic that's developed on Day's side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we mentioned uh, ice, but uh, th- that internal monologue wasn't in there at all originally. Most of it was not. There's oh my God. so much internal monologue that's added. Like almost every black box. That's all brand new. brand new. Oh, holy crap. That yeah. helps a lot. <laughs> that helps a lot. <laughs> I still think her plot line is. Maybe it's just weird that she's introduced. End of volume one, uh, which now is part one. So that's like the last time you can have it. And I'm like, who's Sherazan? Like, what's going on here? But like, I did eventually get into it uh, there, but that. That introduction still maybe the roughest part. I don't remember in the prose. I think she well in the prose, uh, ice was male, <laughs> which great, still great change from in the original uh, White Sand. Mm-hmm. Was ice introduced before they got to La Sand? I don't think so. No. Yeah. No, okay. So that's no. faithful. Uh, no, it's it's faithful. I think that ice is tricky because kind of like Eric. She well, she's kind of like Eric in ways, but. Uh, some parts of the plot are the least satisfying for me, which I think are like some of the the skate, not skate fan, but Sherazan. Uh, Nilto. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff that I'm not deeply interested in, except in how it relates to Ice's family. But hmm. the plot where Ice is forced to spend time with someone who they consider to be like a holy horror That's and fun. is eventually brought around to a point where they they are single handedly responsible for saving that institution is a great idea and i think it's yeah. one of the more powerful parts of the story if ad- yeah. if done correctly so i always end up with like mixed feelings about ice i've always liked that her introduction to kenton's story arc it, 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 like at the very beginning she's like i know what you are i know who you are i know you are going to try to win me over that's not going to work. <laughs> it obviously comes full circle with the end. Yeah. It has always been the problem with this book that like, I think like all the Mastrels dying in Chris's expedition and, and that core idea of ice's character. Good. The, lots of the politicking is less interesting. Uh, admittedly, there are definitely some good moments uh, like Delius. Still great. Loved him. <laughs> I oh, yeah. love Delius for, for Ian. Delius is great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. I think they could have. They just needed. You don't have to reduce the number of professions. You just need to have like four of them be antagonistic instead of all of them. Like that's what I think kind of is the weakness of that plot. Is you end up having to check the boxes of we have to go convince all eight people. It's a little bit. It's a little bit like RPG or something. I've heard people say like check it's all the boxes. Very very long fetch quest yeah yeah and 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 that was always my issue with white sand it's like it it actually starts really good and then you get to la sand and it's just like then we're just it's just devolves into early brandon writing politics and it's a lot uh and brandon's you know he's gotten a lot better at it like this and serini it's like okay there's a lot of it's a lot of noblemen and we're talking about a lot of them and like Oathbringer and Rhythm of War, I think, do it so much better. Yeah. Even, even Lost Metal, even like there's not that much of it in there, but for sure. Yeah, I just don't think Brandon's politics like are rarely what I go to him for. Like, yeah, that's he, fair. like they're always they're always plots that I he's gotten to a level where I'm like they're serviceable or too enjoyable, but sure. I'm never like, oh, like, look at it. Like, it's not it is not a song of ice and fire, which in mm. my head 
has a little more like the politics of that are much stronger. The political uh, intrigue is like more of a draw, whereas this, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. Dalinar and Oathbringer, it's more like how it's connecting with Dalinar and our main characters rather than the pol- political intrigue mm-hmm. itself. And yeah. the world building kind of yeah. sides of it. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm less believing that Dalinar has done some great political maneuver. Like it's more about how he's connecting with Fen and connecting with. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Azish or or Carbronth or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, that's actually a very good way to think of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I was going to say, uh, when you brought Song of Ice and Fire, I have grown to more and more dislike that style of, well, a lot of stuff, um, especially the grimdark elements of it. Sure. But like even the, the politics of it are like, I understand that this is realistic for the world that it is written in, but I don't enjoy reading like I, I, that's not I don't I don't want that in my book I want to I want to read a book about something else and going to Brandon where he does less of that and especially when he does it in the service of the characters like the politicking is a set dressing it's an excuse for him and very much like he, his action scenes are a set dressing right he doesn't write action scenes for the action he writes action scenes for like the internal state of the characters mm-hmm. that are involved in them and how the fight changes them and how they interact with one another while they're fighting mm-hmm. and so i think he approaches both of these things in the same way and that's why they work better for me i like i still don't love uh the politics side of things but thinking of them as oh this is just another way for the characters to, to express themselves is a good way to think of them i think yeah i did feel like chris as a politician comes through a lot better in the omnibus Mm -hmm. um she just seems more intelligent um with how she's interacting with other people it's just small changes i I guess in the dialogue where it feels like um, she's just more diplomatic with people i think i guess part a big part of it to me is kenton like her relationship with kenton is just more professional and more uh, thoughtful and intelligent like of her um where she just does not seem as petty and and i don't know she was very bratty in the in the original white sand yeah they they both were they're very they've got a lot they've got a lot of bickering which is kind of a dynamic that happens between people but like you don't want to let it over what like kind of color your overall impression of a character which i think it was doing a little bit in the original mm-hmm. prose and i think you're you're exactly right josh that that was part of the issue of the way she was introduced as nobility. It wasn't like she was introduced as a politician or as like yeah. an expert in that way. She was introduced as a spoiled, as a spoiled noble. Yeah. Yeah, noble. Yeah. And you're like, that's like nobody what like, unless the whole plot is going to be becoming not bad. That's a really tough place to start a character at. Which is just not what you want with uh, awesome Cosmere scientist that we're going to get. Right. Like that's not <laughs> yeah. like you, you, you could, you can do that. Like in a sense, Vivenna was, not bratty, but very like stuck up, right? And yeah. like had a very big character arc, but it, it takes a lot of heavy lifting to make that work. And uh, this didn't do that. And, so. and that was her whole character arc. Whereas Chris is like not about like her story is not about becoming less bratty. It's yeah, right. Exactly. A lot of other things. Yeah. And every now and then she will have like a moment where she's like because she needs to move the plot along and just being annoying to Kenton doesn't do that. And so every now and then she used to have a moment where she's like, oh, we're now having a civil conversation and we're getting the information that we need to move things forward. Any other uh, stuff about um, 
like the character stuff and art stuff and non-lore stuff. <laughs> I remain the most excited, not the most excited. What I'm really excited to see where Ice is going. And I think that mm. the fact that they added the Chris early stuff does a better job establishing Kirsta as a setting. And that's kind of where it seems like, yeah, future stories, whatever form they might take, at least some of them will play out there. There was a big hook in the prose for a big plot yeah. in that country that still has not appeared in any version of a canon white sand thing. So I'm curious if that'll still happen, but <laughs> it definitely feels like reading this, that it's still very much a, Brandon isn't intentionally like holding this back for like a big plot line where we go to see this place in depth. Same with like Darkseid, right? Darkseid's exactly the same way where uh, we know very little like hints, but clearly we're going to get a big thing in it. Hopefully that's yeah. Hey, they've got he's got Dan now. Dan's writing. Dan's going to write the White Sand novel. Uh, well, speaking, or speaking Isaac of, will, probably. Yeah, but. speaking of Dan, I, I do want to stress that like a lot of this, if not all of this, was Isaac's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever there is like new dialogue or new exposition or new world building, like I'm sure some of these things were ran by Brandon for, you know, oh, Cosmere-wide yeah, sure. continuity reasons and stuff like that. But like the prose, essentially, of this omnibus was Isaac. And so knowing how much I like it and how much we all seem to like the changes, I am very hopeful for like any Isaac involvement in the Cosmere, whether it be Boatload of Mummies, whether it be the Arcanist or whatever name the sequel of White Sand takes or whatever else. That's I. I mean, it's a larger task. But I but I think Isaac definitely has the skill to perform. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's kind of hard for me to imagine, though, that Brandon would let Isaac or Dan write Chris's story. That's that which that, I feel like is that is true. A sequel would be. Uh, I agree. But I also there's a part of me that feels like if Brandon was so strongly compelled to write Chris's story that would have appeared in his plans at some point. And it's sure. never real. He's never really said like, you know what? Like he's leaning more towards writing Aether books over doing white sand. Yeah. Stuff. And so to me, it, it feels like this is something that's falling on the periphery and yeah, like maybe I could see him being more heavily involved, but I just, you know, if it's not, if this doesn't happen or if, if, you know, if he writes white sand sequels then maybe Warbreaker two doesn't happen or something, you know, yeah. at least not by him. So I guess we'll see. I do really agree, Evgeny. Like the character work that Isaac did was really good and just talking and analyzing it. And oh, yeah. Wow. All of these subtle things made such a big impact that, yeah, definitely creating a thing that's brand new will be different and challenging in other ways. But uh, he, he really understood the story and what the story needed. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is super important. And I don't think I mean, you know, I've never listened to those White Sand episodes back. We definitely (laughs) spent a lot more time talking about character on this episode than we have to my recollection (laughs) in any previous White Sand episode. You know, like I don't there wasn't that much to say. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty simple. 
those those episodes were weird because we really went through like every scene, which was a very weird thing for Shardcast yeah. to do. But you know, I don't that's necessarily fine. recommend people there there if you want a time capsule, go back and check it out. Look, I know a few people who are like, "Wow, those are some of my favorite episodes." So you can go <laughs> check them out. Uh, I think they're all pre-video, right? Or no, the White Sand Volume. At least the first one is. I don't. I don't know. First the third two one, been the, yeah, the third one, 2019, we would have been in video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's get on into the lore. Uh, and so we're going to go through Hello. the Ars Arcanum uh, pages. We have, uh, oh, I guess in the 16 pages that I counted, I did include the map. So I, I don't know if the map counts uh, there, but there we got we got 16 pages of stuff. I doubt we're going to be talking too much about dayside food and stuff, but we'll talk about some of the more magic lore that we get because there are some different things and uh unfortunately uh i think we will get into trouble just showing all the pages of the ars arcanum so i'm not going to be doing that so sorry about that but we'll try to describe what is the 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 important details and if you want to follow along then you'll have to get the omnibus i'm sorry uh it's a good product though uh so we start with a glossary, which I don't think is super uh, noteworthy, but I'm I'm super glad it's there, right? Because there are it's noteworthy of... for capitalization. It, it, it is, is very <laughs> useful for canon capitalization for the copper mind. So I do I do appreciate that actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, and it is worth noting too that a full third of the terms start with the letter K. Oh my god! It. Wow, it so, really does. That's, Holy that's crap! True. Yeah. You know, seeing this, if Brandon was in 2005, maybe he's like, I gotta, I gotta change something. <laughs> this, is, this is too many Ks. Yeah. Well, it's like naming one of your characters Betrayer. You're like, well, I mean, I should have done that. You know? Yeah. Name him the Darkling. I'm sure he's nice. And then we have an amazing uh, dayside map with a uh, dark skinned glorious red-haired woman at the top looking down from the sky down to uh dayside which given that there are faces in this that are, have not been removed if anything they're maybe a little more prominent they're, i think they're, they're about they the are, same. Oh, not only are well i don't i wouldn't say they're more prominent but they're they're called out as oh this is a thing that people just know about yeah mm -hmm. i mean the ars arcanum is going to reference that and we we will talk about that, but uh, I can only assume on this map with this lovely uh, red haired woman that uh, this is Bavadin. Hmm. Hmm. It is important to point out that the previous version of mm -hmm. the Taldane map of the Dayside map also had a redhead. That's true. Mm -hmm. and, and in 2016, Brandon was asked if this was Bavadin and he said no. Like that Isaac just made it up. Yeah, Isaac just made it up. But there's, yeah. things change often behind the scenes, and people like to make things that have no meaning have meaning. So, And I think the thing that's weird now is that there were the Mistborn playing cards that uh, did have, like, there was a Harmony one, and then there was, uh, as a Joker, with the Harmony symbol, and then there was uh, a red haired woman kind of like this honestly like the similarity is pretty striking and so i wouldn't be surprised if this is like hey what if we canonize like this and brandon's like cool and just in 2016 mm -hmm. this wasn't as fleshed out 
Mm -hmm. And even in the thing he says, uh, Isaac designed it without the board, without any specific instructions from me, he might have an idea. So it's possible sure. Isaac always intended for this to be Bovin, and he was never just like, hey, Brandon, I made Bovin a, a redhead in the sky. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it, glorious art, though, on this of just Bovin up here on the sky on this. I mean, and, and like, to assume that it's Bovin and the, the cards also kind of really affirm that, I think. But um, it, there is like the possibility that it's an avatar. Uh, we do we do have like the scene like with where yeah. um, a meets the you know the sand lord mm -hmm. out in the desert or whatever. So like, um, I don't know, there there could be avatars involved here on Taldane, even even though it's autonomy's you know world. Mm -hmm. well, 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 we'll talk about that in a bit because I have some thoughts because it definitely seems like there are more than one avatar here that that is at least my impression uh there there's bovidan aura avatar who knows maybe the different faces are all a different avatar who knows right like that's totally plausible though mm -hmm. i was i was wondering more looking at her outfit does it look to you guys like she's wearing sandmaster robes or a different outfit because at first i thought they were sandmaster robes but i'm starting to think that they're it's just a larger more billowy outfit aside from I... circle around her i think it's yeah. similar mm -hmm. but not because because like there's like a like an open like there's almost cleavage going down and like her midriff is a little open um and like these are pants not robes um it it almost billows out uh almost cloud-like so like that that's what it reminds me of like it, it it's mm. white robes that i think in the art are supposed to like evoke clouds well, that's really that's an interesting thought, too, especially since she's so sky associated and cloudy yeah. and the sun. Who knows? Who knows what's going on with Bavadan? I, I like Whatever. the little creatures in the water, too. That's cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we should highlight as well, if you want to do any traveling in Kirsta uh -huh. and the Kurla, uh -huh. you can visit the lovely cities of Dosha Harkin and Ish Kurlash, which are new to this version of the map. Oh, baby. They were unnamed previous, like so the dots are there. Oh, okay. But the cities didn't have name, and so uh, Joshua Harkin is where Chris first lands in uh, oh, on okay. this side, okay. and Eshkerlosh is uh, kind of a town they pass by, and oh, they run into some of okay. some like Christian uh, warriors or warrior priests. I don't remember, and they just like move on through the town because like oh well maybe maybe we can't actually get water out of this place mm, presumably there's more cities there but i would hope so probably although they're not they're not mapped which is interesting i don't know denka literally doesn't have a city on this there's probably a settlement there <laughs> I, I i would assume if it is labeled on the map maybe chris made this map <laughs> she's like these I mean, are the places to, to, i know to, about <laughs> to, to be fair that that is well but but mm, this this does seem like an artistic representation I don't know. I, I I don't think Chris necessarily made the map. I don't mean I don't mean personally. I was oh, just okay. like okay. commissioning. Okay. It is it is notable that character Dasha is so prominent in this version. So I can I can very much like buy the idea that this is essentially a Kurtzian map. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. It, it oh. does kind of remind me a bit of uh, the 
in the 10th anniversary Elantris, uh, like the map of uh, Opalon, right? Or Cycla, <laughs> and where mm-hmm. uh, Fjordan is massive and Arlon is like, <laughs> it's super tiny. Yeah. It, it could be theirs, but I'd be hesitant to assume they would put Sandmasters on anything they were drawing. Yeah, that's, that's also true. true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Not yeah. Big fans. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but the but the Sandmasters don't believe in. I don't really believe in the Sand Lord. So I don't. Even, I'm not really sure who this person is in their lore anyway. So yeah, I wonder Who's if this is idea? not an in-world document. But like, I don't know. They do tend to really like that these days for Cosmere. They do. Arts, you know, they do. But but also, uh, uh, what's his name? Jiangu, the mm-hmm. artist who did this. Oh yeah, the one his, who did the Chinese stuff covers, tends by to the be way. more well stylized and stylistic mm-hmm. right so maybe they were just like hey you, you you do your thing right you we we like your stuff you do your thing don't worry about like making it diegetic or anything i, I it did seem like a familiar art style so that makes sense that uh he did that because oh man his his art's real good Mm-hmm. The art they added very good cool do we want to get to astronomy this i think these are like some of the beefiest pages here uh, mm-hmm. on this uh, and this one is publicly available, so I will put it on screen, actually. So you will not be able to read any text, but you can see the pretty art here. But I, I will link in the description the omnibus uh, update thing where they do have a full size art of this. Uh, so you you can click along with this. This this might be pretty awful if we go through like uh each uh item and we're like ah pointing out art but thankfully i think that's only really going to happen with a map because a lot of it's just text here right and so it's yeah. not like you're missing out on a visual yeah. thing we got a lot of uh taldane astronomy here what do you think is most notable to start with here I, there's i've got one awesome. i think that it's really notable that they call their lagrange points the wombear saddle <laughs> i think that's a yeah. phenomenal is that is that what they what they call like that's I, not well it's, i don't know i don't know if it's officially a lagrange point we're pretty far out in physics nonsense here but just reading it that's what it was reminiscent well, of to me lagrange points specifically are about a three-body problem right uh and mm-hmm. in context of like a star a planet and typically a third object um i don't i don't know enough of the astrophysics to know how that would work uh it did really read like uh an unstable equilibria where it's like it, yeah it's stable but like you'll roll off rather than like a bowl where you'll roll in there and it will collect so it, it definitely read like that to me although i mean this is a three-body thing right so you have the the big star we have well, the mm-hmm. sun Ista, you have the eye of riddles and you have the well taldane in the middle mm-hmm yeah, at least that's my read of it, is that it's right yeah. there. Oh, because the Taldane is there. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, so yeah, Taldane yeah, yeah. could be in uh, L, whatever is, you know, between the two bodies, right? Uh, the only one that makes sense to me. Oh, it's L1. <laughs> yeah, that would be L1. Yeah. Wow, whoa, wow, we're getting this. We got from, like, lore nerdy to, like, science nerdy and math nerdy really fast. Like all, all, the, all the casual people who are like, oh, they're doing lore. We're just they pieced out, and now the lore people are here, and then their their eyes just closed over. Uh, <laughs> so hello it, to the five people left watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, wow. Well, Lagrange points. Uh, how how do I even explain this quickly? They're, oh, no, they're equilibrium. Uh, 
uh yeah calling them unstable with equilibria really helps yeah <laughs> no so lagrange points so every every celestial body has a gravity right and uh lagrange points are so I'm when you have professor. two bodies let's say the sun and uh the earth each one of these so let's take the earth has a number of specific points around it where you can plop a third body and the sum of the exact gravities of the of the other two of the sun and the earth make it so the third one is kind of stuck there and it doesn't fall out of orbit and you can think of it this way so if the moon was like way closer to the sun the sun's larger gravity would pull it out of earth's orbit and the moon would eventually collapse into the sun and the closer you move the moon to the earth the weaker the sun's pull and the stronger the earth's pull is and so there's a point in that line where if you plop the moon in exactly that point the two gravities balance out and the moon is in a stable orbit in that place and there are depending on like how exactly you configure the the three bodies there are what like five lagrange points that we know about five mm -hmm. yeah there's five uh, th this is one of them. This is L1, where you have big gravity on one side, little gravity on the other side, and somewhere not in the middle, but closer to the little gravity well, you have a planet that is held in place by these two. Well, so it, it doesn't quite hold it in place, but it's a it's a spot where there's where it balances out, and so it's yep. easy to to keep it there. Uh, I, th yeah. I think James Webb telescope is at a Lagrange That's point. Because exactly. it's, easy to it's at L2 baby. Uh, yeah. And it's, and that one, well, we, we don't, we don't need to go in the details, but you actually want the telescope to be at an unstable equilibria rather than one of the stable ones where uh, stuff collects there because you don't want it to hit the telescope. <laughs> so you, ac you mm. actually want it there. <laughs> um, That's interesting. Yeah. But it's important that it's at a, it's unstable because like the point here that Chris is making, right, is that there's some kind of there's something like autonomy is presumably keeping Taldane there. Mm -hmm. That's a and lot of Shardak force to do that. And Jesus. the other weird thing that is happening in the system is that the moon that orbits Taldane, uh, Nijda, yeah, is perpendicular to the plane that all of the the, the Taldane is orbiting on. And oh, like, yeah, that is a, really weird. Isn't without it? external uh, uh, um, involvement, what you would expect is, so if, if I don't know if we have image on, on screen. It, it, it is on screen. If you're, like, if, if, if the planet is going horizontal, mm -hmm. right, around the sun, and then the moon is going essentially vertical mm. around the planet, oh, you yeah. would expect the two stars to tip, eventually tip the moon yes. so it also yeah. goes horizontal. And Chris is going, yeah, but that's not happening. Like, our calendars are synced with that yeah. moon down to the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something is keeping it there in place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the really kind of brilliant part about this particular Ars Arcanum page is that it's Chris using her natural science skills and, and inquisitiveness to look at what we know probably has to be some sort of investiture impact on normal physics. So this is like, you know, this is exactly what Chris does in like the very, very first page that we get from her. 
Yeah, I, and uh, like obviously she wouldn't know about the shattering here, mm-hmm. right? So uh, or shards or anything. So it's just like or wow. investiture, really. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. right. Well, yeah, because there's a part of investiture of power way at the end that is like, okay, she hasn't gotten the terminology down. That's fine. Which actually, I I'm totally cool with that not being capitalized. That probably shouldn't yeah. be. Or she's developing the terminology, Eric. Yeah, right. Yeah, Hoy- right. yeah. Did Hoyd who start who called it investiture? Did Aiden all see him? Have to say, oh, I mean, in in secret history, one of the shards calls it investiture, which mm-hmm. I've always interpreted to mean that it predates like Chris, essentially. Oh yeah, and all the books fair. are in translation, so it's <laughs> it's whatever. But but uh, yeah. I, I think one other weird thing is that the the eye, so the smaller star, the dark side mm-hmm. star, essentially pulses, and that is that's new. Mm-hmm. The eye of Rydos, whoever Rydos is. D- yeah. So does it say the star pulses or does it say the cloud pulses? Because I, I, uh, I don't. I think that it's the both. particular cloud that de- but, envelops the eye on dark side pulses once every seven days to the second. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. I sure. imagine that the star pulses and like they're just seeing like it filtered through the cloud, and so the to the cloud pulses yeah because that that must make it seem uh nighttime right that like the the star is really blocked by almost all of the crap right around the eye and like you can still kind of have essentially a ring like saturn sure with a hole in it i um well it need to be much more so my interpretation of the cloud is that it's like all around the star mm-hmm. yeah like, like a Dyson, well, not a Dyson sphere, i don't really like know fully. like how exactly that like there's some astronomy issues with that but like that the, the fact that it's called a cloud to me suggests that it's kind of like obscuring the entire star to some extent like all around not just sure i yeah i've imagined it like a, like a nebula of some sort kind of around you know mm-hmm. around this star yeah uh and it is interesting i did just notice that in the white sand uh the taldane system chart yeah. it's the particulate ring and in mm-hmm. this it's the particulate cloud so i think they've kind of refined it to not be like something ring like to make it more clear that it's enveloping the mm-hmm. eye i i'm not sure if it has to be a a three-dimensional spherical cloud around mm, it. Yeah. Like for the purpose uh, of Taldane, I don't know if that matters. Well, yeah, how well, are you envisioning me, it? Well, it's not like it, as long as it's in the same uh, like plane, plane of the of like the star uh, Taldane and that, like as long as it is tall enough to sort of obscure the rays from like Redos, like you you don't need it to be that tall. I think. Like it, it would need to be weirder to me that it's like a cylindrical disc blocking. Uh, it. No, it's so very tall. that actually no that that actually makes more sense, I believe, because because of the nature of how like things orbit. Yeah, you you tend to end up with like ring like or like donut like structures in. Yeah. I was gonna say in the cosmere in the universe more often than you end up with spe- the ecliptic. So like, yeah, like the. Like it's no, a, I'm, it's I'm, a, yeah. I, I understand that. I'm just yeah. saying the, what I'm envisioning from you guys is something thicker, like a cylinder, as opposed to something that's relatively flat. But yeah, I guess I'm imagining like a big donut around <laughs> around it. That's like a sufficiently yeah. wide donut to block it sufficiently for Taldane. Maybe I don't know. But, but so, so my question is, if it's a donut or a ring or whatever, why would there be a pulse 
every seven. Well, like, yeah, that make that that's clearly. I think the star garbage, itself right? has to pulse like a, like a Probably. quasar or a, or a, well mm-hmm. a pulsar. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the star as well. I will point out that the text says it does envelop the star, but yeah. you, can, you, can read, you can read that as not as not enveloping and it's just blocking. But. Well. It would also be, I think, hard to discern from dark side necessarily the difference between those until you're yeah. in space, right? Uh, but but True. like maybe, maybe there's some complicated ways you could do that. But mm-hmm. uh, I, d- but, I do yeah. think that if they meant for it to stay a ring, they That's would have called true. it particulate ring in all the locations. It could have been something they missed. But it, it's just the art looks fairly ring like. But obviously, like you also need to display the star. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I definitely get that. So that's my read of it. Yeah, is that it they want you to be able to see it. Totally. So. Totally. Yeah. Wasn't there there was another page talking about the uh, star pulsing wasn't there i think that's the magic one when they start talking about the star carved yeah. because and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, how yeah, the yeah, star yeah, carved yeah. are charged by, yeah, by the yeah, pulses yeah, 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 yeah. where star marks are do we want to uh continue on is there more yeah so let me so for um the next one is timekeeping yeah and yeah. um i think there's a cool tie to the moon on this one I, I i think this is just some fun world building where like so the way the the moon orbits the idea is that if you're in the middle of day side, so if you're like right on top of Mount Kreda, the moon basically just like circles the horizon, which I think is sure. just kind of, is pretty cool imagery. Um, and it plays mm-hmm. into like Kenton on the Mastral's path and like that's his timing. And I think that that's cool that it plays into their clocks where they've got this like moon hand. Because that's like pretty that's cool. the whole yeah. idea, right? Is that like yeah. on day side, the moon once yeah, a day, the moon okay. circles. And so that's pretty it's kind of cool that on their on their watches, like that's the hour hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that as well. That 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 is that is very cool. I like that. Yeah, we they talk about currency. Awesome. Uh, they talk about, about your lockstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we learn about the Sandmasters, and uh, I I know it's always been a thing that they had their like uh like canteen, their keto, right? <laughs> but certainly after Lost Metal, it's like I gotta carry around the water really reminds me of that a lot which is clearly yeah. what they're going for right this was completely wrong in the prior to the omnibus <laughs> yeah. they were like drinking out of their pouches like their <laughs> pouch was used as a water like and the the horn i guess they just like were like a water skin blower right? like a wine skin. something nice um they completely had that like off so this is another thing that was like to me as a non-prose reader it was like oh that's the water bottle <laughs> they carry sand around like i didn't know this <laughs> um, um do we do we want to talk about aethers and and lost metal here uh here? do we saying? yeah sure i mean yeah sure why not because there is uh obviously the water thing is yep is is a big connection between them mm-hmm um and and we talked about you know on the aether episodes we talked about or or, or on the tress episodes we talked about yeah uh connections like between spores and white and white sand mm-hmm. and so now we're talking about white sand to like aethers and spores one thing that i don't think was in the original prose and it was in the omnibus a lot was a lot of the times when kenton is doing sand mastery things he goes I form a mental connection. Yeah. I command the sand yeah. Uh, yeah. to come to life and, and other, other phrasings like that, like that. 
so yeah. much emphasis on like the mental connection thing, right? Yeah. Uh, during during the test for new sand masters, right? Uh, the idea, okay, how do you test for that? Well, you 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 take the sand, you feel each yes. grain, you uh, reach out with your, your with your voice to form a connection, and you offer the sand your water. Mm, yep. That's that is yeah. incredibly similar to what people do with the midnight essences yes, interests. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, it, it is like it is objectively a Lou Hell bond, right? Like this, that's yeah. 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 It, it doesn't call it that, but that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that's, that's an interesting point too, is I, I'd be curious to see like, you know, cause the people are calling this an aether potentially, you know, if people are right about bone spores or whatever, but is it a misclassification? Like are people just seeing another Lou Hell bond system oh. and saying, Oh, it's an aether, you know, but it's not quite the same thing. It's just, it's just, somebody else saw somebody with something with a nay help on they were like oh you're a search binder and you're like well sort of you know i, I could very much see uh lu help bondy things uh be more than just aethers right like that's totally reasonable uh Absolutely. there's more than there's certainly more than just the lu help bond that relates to the aethers especially given the water stuff uh so that it, it's very reminiscent uh there um, and so I wonder if there's some autonomy shenanigans going on with Aethers. I, I think maybe my like, and we'll get into this more later too. My question is, okay, so what does that mean about the star carved? You know, like if this is well, supposed yeah. to be A3, is everything on this planet supposed to be A3 or is it just day side? Cause you know, then, yeah. then we've got a 14th Aether. Is that, or, or a not? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, we are we are never told that dark side magic has anything to do with water, which is notable, right? But Chris doesn't know anything about the dark side magic aside from that the it's related to the eye of Rhydos and that that recharges something for them. Yeah, and yeah, that's the, what we well, learn here. It, it recharges the star marks, and she says that some people can actually harness this power. Some and those very are the few star people cards. can harness. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 we'll definitely. Uh, talk about uh those at least what little things we know it's it's very interesting because i i feel like she doesn't know a lot about the star carve specifically um but it typically i would imagine like on a planet there's typically some sort of constant theme and maybe in taldane mm-hmm. there's mm, like each half is more dualistic and so it's not like one more consistent theme because you know Taldane we got these two halves and it's very distinct but yeah. I would expect there to be some similarities right like otherwise I mean, that would just be weird there's the idea of like the star recharges yeah yeah power yeah. Mm-hmm. on that side which could be strong enough of a theme yeah, I, I I would imagine that water is somehow necessary, but uh, it's it's very hard to say there. It feels to me, it feels like if water was involved, then Chris's notes would have said something. Maybe she just doesn't if she know knew all, but she, but she knows some things like she knows some basic things about the fact that she knows that they're charged by the by the, you know, by the star pulsing. Makes me feel like she should know if water is well. So she knows that star marks are recharged by the star, and it seems like everyone on dark side has star marks. Which, like, I don't know 
how much of this is official canon, how much of this is like Brandon just randomly talking about things. But I've always imagined star marks or formerly sky colors as essentially like neon tattoos or neon marks that people have on their skin. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That everyone does, right? And mm-hmm. then some select few on dark side, much like some select few on, on day side, can utilize this power and do things. And so on dark side, that's the star carved. On day side, that's the sandmasters. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're right on about the tattoo thing. I think there's some sort of people have some sort of visible markings on their skin that's only visible under the light of dark yeah, the eye of riddles yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree yeah i think that makes a lot of sense that means we don't even know what chris looks like everybody we have yeah, no that's, idea that's true yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. is it yeah. as simple as like ultraviolet is it uv light that makes uh, i i essentially think that's yeah. what it is yeah or it's, although they are or it's invested uv light you know invested. like uh, invested uh, uv light nice uh, or like like light going off of like a void light sphere or something some thing like that um, they are different colors. Mm-hmm. There's seven colors. We're not get, we getting too into Starcarve, or we're, yeah. we're getting pulled in that direction. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, the Eye of Ritos is it pulls us like it pulls Taldane. Uh, not very strongly because it's a small star. Well, but but <laughs> it, 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 at least autonomy is moving it left. You know, Eye of Ritos. Uh, cool. Well, let's let's table that, and we'll talk let's about star that. things. Yeah. Uh, a little later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's page on Sandmasters, uh, which was that whole tangent. You don't want to talk about the Sandlings? I do want to talk about the Sandlings. Uh, it's very interesting that they have gas blood and uh, the Omnibus definitely makes it clear that they're feeding off the investiture that's on the sand or sorry, that uh. the lichen is charged with that investiture and they're eating that. Right. They're eating the lichen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is, I don't know if it was this page or another one where, oh no, it was, it was just in the, in the actual novel, graphic novel, um, where Chris is like, oh, when a sandling processes white sand, it comes out to the other end as just normal sand, like just like the sand that we have in Elise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which, which reads like oh well they are eating the lichen right uh it is the lichen that makes the sand either white or black and then if you strip off the lichen uh you are left with normal like you know Mm -hmm. sand silicates and things like that mundane sand yep Mm -hmm. i think uh sand yeah i think that one thing that this page does too a I think a Markin looks a lot like a Chasm Fiend. I don't know if we're, I don't understand how there could be any sort yeah. of evolutionary connection there because Chasm Fiends don't have gas blood. And that seems like that must have been a pretty early divergence. You know, convergent evolution, it all converges to crabs. Although, mm-hmm. sir, yeah. actually, yeah, carcinization is, is that, right? So, yeah, is the thing. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a big one. But, okay, here's the thing that really, this is almost more than anything, kind of makes me feel about like reminds me of Lumar and the Aether stuff is it's just talking about all the life that exists within all oh, the ecosystem, the, the mm. complex ecosystem. <laughs> There's a complex the ecosystem <laughs> on Lumar as well. And we get to see a little bit on Taldane actually. Uh-huh. This yeah, complex yeah, ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, that it would did be, remind me of that. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's got any Aether questions, ask Brandon how how similar the ecosystem on Taldane is to the complex yeah. ecosystems beneath yeah. the spore seas. 
it would be cool if there's some like animals that live on the spore seas that like that live in the ocean that even in the seas right that don't have any water in them that are similar to yeah like, yeah because yeah, they're, they're like water based either see i bet you could we're like oh we got we got the lumar invasive species we gotta <laughs> we gotta you know it's it's the desert planet version of the spotted lantern fly or whatever you gotta just kill them if you see yeah. them there there was a moment when i was like reading sections of of the of the omnibus in preparation for this episode when i was like the curla is an awful lot like a spore sea in many <laughs> yeah in many respects yeah. Yeah. yeah they're fortunate they don't have anything creating a violent fluidization <laughs> down below <laughs> that'd be terrible <laughs> yeah because like putting the water on the sand doesn't cause that like explosive reaction like uh uh, or, you know, not that, to the that, extent, but it does release. Oh, because that's where, because that's where uh, we get that uh, like the mother of pearl, all the colors, yep. right? That's when Chris mm -hmm. puts water on mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's just you don't notice it in the daylight. Yep. Basically, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to bring attention to on this page before mm -hmm. we move on is um, what is what's got to be an offhanded mention by Chris, but there's a lot of offhanded mentions in this book. Yes. Uh, where she says, in the quote-unquote desert, um, a person's autonomy is restricted yep. to this one area. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there, there are quite a few autonomy theme Or in, uh, autonomy independence. Yeah. I see what you're doing there, Isaac. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. It's, uh, perhaps it's a little heavy-handed to the, uh, uh well-versed Cosmere scholar but it's yeah. cute is it okay is it more heavy-handed than the multiple enormous sky faces <laughs> 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 like like at least there uh, like i think is i know in like volume three there was like an autonomy that was bolded in like a dialogue box as well uh there's um there's one's place where lord wright uh, who is that that's the lord artisan or hey, whoever it is uh somebody says makes a comment about uh the akar being a threat to Lausanne's autonomy yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. arc makes arc makes a comment at some point about kenton something about his autonomy as well so yeah. like it's kind of in the language of of day side i feel like i mean i i like that like the more stuff of getting the shards into the religions of the world, I think makes a ton of sense. So I, I, I dig it. And mm -hmm. presumably like if Bavadin has a lot of avatars on, uh, on Taldane, there's so many different ways for there to be lots of autonomy things and different interpretations of it. Right. Oh, Oh, wow. What a great segue, Chris's Ars Arcanum, <laughs> because this next one is talking about uh, the origin of Kurtzta and Lausanne. And so I, I just wanted to read this first part. Anciently. Oh, OK, that's kind of weird. OK, sure. Uh, sure. Uh, two siblings, Lassa and her brother, Kurtz, both claimed to have been visited by the Sand Lord. The result of the visitations is up for debate. So here, here's my theory. I think they were visited by two separate avatars. Hmm. And, and like one of them was like, Sandmasters are bad. And the other ones are like, Sandmasters is more of a blessed thing. I think that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And it's up for debate as to what was going on there. Uh, but 
I don't know. That that's mm-hmm. that's my take on that. Or or one is the one is the Sand Lord, one is an avatar, and one is autonomy. And one of them's like, I sure. want to have sand masters. The other one's like, I believe this to be unholy. You sure, know? sure, sure. Because certainly the representation of the Sand Lord we see with Ellerin at the end is still great art on that one. I I, I really freaking love that. But mm-hmm. it is very different from this red haired autonomy type thing. Right. So there, there's lots of different possibilities, but th- I think the legends just assume, oh, you took sp- spoke to a thing as a sand lord. And like, seems like the sand lord is an actual entity, but people could be attributing more to that avatar than actually is warranted. Right. Because mm-hmm. certainly the sand lord isn't charging the sand. Right. Like that's coming from whatever shard stuff is coming from the sun, both suns. Tommy's doing well, a crap load on this planet, guys. Like, holy crap. What it made me think of is what I get from autonomy in the Lost Metal is like this whole vibe of um, like competition. Yes. And so I almost wonder yes. if it's like, yes, they didn't visit two different two different entities, but they just kind of both saw from the same entity and they just kind of had their own ideas and their own. Yeah. Uh, kind of takeaways from that. And then like autonomy is just sort of enjoying the competition between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was be. definitely my read as well uh yeah. like these two siblings immediately reminded me of uh the two dominant religions on cell or not on cell but like on on opalon mm-hmm. mm-hmm. where you have two students and they were studying yes. under the same master yes. and the two students went and like developed vastly different religions yeah that, that came from the same place essentially that that's what this made me think of right mm-hmm. uh, absolutely so I can I can 100% see you know um, Losa and and Kurtzt finding the Sand Lord or being visited by the Sand Lord and just walking out of that meeting with completely different ideas about what it means to like lead their people and whatever. Yeah. Mm, well, okay. Here's my thing too. Is my read of this? It makes it sound to me like Losa was given her sand mastery abilities during this when it says like she's cursed with sand mastery yep. potentially yeah. it's a possible reading of it and so like potentially potentially like they heard the same message and one of you know Kirsta comes out mad that he didn't get sand mastery powers you yeah, know or sure, there's some right? other some other angle going on here sure. but in my i have now following the lost metals confirmation of autonomy being involved in the set and brandon teasing it with uh shoe dareth and their extremely hierarchical church structure oh yeah and the extremely hierarchical structure of the sand masters leads me to DM. believe that at some point autonomy was involved in the setting up of the dm i don't but but i also feel like whatever was put in motion by that being that appeared to the guy whose name i always forget the traitor traven Ellerin. Ellerin, uh wanted to destroy the sand masters so yeah kind of tough to say it is a very overlooked detail i think but one that that, that's always felt significant to me that the structure of the dm itself is super ancient Mm -hmm. and it is called out that is very well preserved yeah and it's not the sandmasters that are preserving it. It's the structure itself doesn't need preserving. Like oh, the right, ancient the people who built it 
uh, and Canton thinks it's the ancient Sun Master, but it doesn't need to be the case. No. Like mm-hmm. built it in a way so that it doesn't erode in the winds and in the uh, in the sand. And yeah, so right. there could be there there could be some invested stuff in the history of the DM. Totally. Uh, and I do just want to mention uh, if you are confused about Shu Dareth and autonomy. We will be doing a WAB episode very soon. I think our next episode is going to be we're going to have maybe a long sequence of WAB episodes because we're very behind. But there there was a WAB uh, about that, about uh, good old uh, Jadeth, Yadeth. I don't know. Yadeth. Yadeth uh, about some autonomy influence. So we will have to talk about that. Yeah, I, I, I. I, I did forget, actually, on this page, the Lossine, because like the Kurin religion mm-hmm. is so much more prominent in the story that yep. I kind of forget, like, Lausanne has a religion. Uh, so th- that's nice to have this because that was always confused me in the original graphic novel. Although it's yeah. a very loose religion, right? They, oh, are, yeah, but they, like are, a, they are almost agnostic. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like more like this gives Lausanne some culture rather than it's just there. And like, it seems like everyone is a Kareen believer, right? Uh, mm. But that, so that, that helps a lot. Cool. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about the professions. Oh, I have one profession comment. Okay. It's yeah, very cool. brief, which yeah, is cool. that I'm glad that Brandon and Isaac world building wise decided that they needed more than three jobs in all of <laughs> Hurstian society. Cause that's how it used to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was warrior, priest, merchant. And then warrior priest. And then they made the warrior priest. That, was, that was the big that was the society the big is advancing here. Yeah. Where you know, are my merchant assassins? Yeah, you, that's the that's the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Merchant assassin. <laughs> the uh, the merchant know, priest. It's funny, David, because I was actually referring to the profession thing that was on the Lasan professions oh. and not the the, the Kirstian ones. Oh. I just I didn't think there was anything of note to talk about there, but yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, those are the Lassine professions, Eric. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Cool. So, uh, yeah, some lore on the the eight, eight and a half, eight and a half professions. Eight. Eight, eight plus the Lord Beggar. Yeah. Oh, c- c- speaking of the uh, Lord Beggar. It seems like in the beginning of the story that it's like, oh, yeah, he's just as strong as any other Taisha. And it's like, has there always been a Lord Beggar or is it just uh, Gavin so it's, it's, just uh, being this guy <laughs> and being it's, very it's this guy? It's just like yeah. it's, it's okay. an honorary. Oh, this this person who doesn't hold an official position is so influential in okay. the country okay. that we just informally recognize him as oh this is someone whose opinion we should check with when we do things well and i don't even know if i would go that far like i think it's more them saying this guy has as much influence as a taisha but the the taisha council will not come to the lord beggar with an issue unless maybe except for maybe through like unofficial channels but yeah i do think that the uh this is something that start that Gavin started. Like it's not a dread pirate Robert situation where there was a previous Lord Beggar. Agreed. Yeah. Uh cool. Um I don't think there's anything else notable on the Slissand professions page, right? Like it's not all sort really. of like cool it's, it's nice world building to have. Yeah, yeah. Just great. It is. Out, like, yeah. Great to have. We just are. don't need to analyze it. Um yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is the stuff that 
you lose from the prose yep. to the graphic novel. That doesn't cop as much. Yep. But uh, then there's an assassin's page and Zinkalin. Same thing there. Yeah, like this is again great lore there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It, I think that like Chris, I like like seeing like her like sketching, like taking it apart and like trying to understand how it yeah. works. It just it adds to her characterization. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's another one of those things that was less clear in the original that what what exactly they were doing you know they've just got like kind of these wrist <laughs> these gauntlets that are shooting arrows you know you're like what is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is yeah. that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's useful yeah. then we have sand mastery on dark side so okay any dark side stuff we got to talk about uh mm-hmm. well but, before before mm-hmm. we go to that okay. because i was scrolling through my pdf and uh-huh. on the way there okay i ran into the short flashback that is uh the dark side party on dark side which which page is this um two four one two four one where, where the sky is actually dark yeah oh <laughs> oh yeah unlike the previous version oh unlike the previous version yeah i am sad there are no star marks in in those two couple of panels <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, middle I thought okay about that. yeah okay uh oh, it's, it's okay Re- return it everybody throw it away <laughs> not worth it because uh this yeah, is like the sure. last day before the uh the start before the eye pulsed so they're they're all like super mm, weak to see yeah easy easy nailed yeah. it oh did they was that in the text no no i can accept that yeah i, I thought yeah. about that i can accept yeah. that they planned their travel for the <laughs> afternoon of the sixth day so they could get through the lines of scouts from yeah the country I, I just don't care about the dark side political situation it's too much like elantris <laughs> it, uh, it really I is do. a lot like elantris yeah that's certainly there's a true. big nation with a big scary leader and there's a tiny nation that's well <laughs> the difference is elantris was independent because of its power elise was independent because of its insignificance mm-hmm. honestly i really am just glad that those two panels like it's actually night like in because those are the panels <laughs> are in the original and it's it's the middle of day yeah <laughs> Maybe okay, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Vast wow. improvement here. Vast improvement. <laughs> dark side. Like, very dark. Like it's a comet. What is going on right now? It's so bright. <laughs> Honestly, I think maybe I read it so quickly and it was unclear that it even was uh, supposed to even be on dark side. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, cool. Man. So speaking of sand mastery and dark side, uh, Chris is just wondering how sand mastery could work. Uh, against like Skathen's armies and she's like would a knife light ribbon cut through these warded elite um, and I imagine we don't know this but I imagine the star carved probably like are invested in some way that like the sand probably would like bounce off and not pierce them maybe depends how it works but so the way I read that was in the context of a later page okay um where chris analyzes the different uses uses of sand mastery and yep. what you can do with it uh-huh. and she's like oh i saw kenton so i know that sand masters can put can create shields i know they can create copies of themselves can you cover yourself in sand to essentially create an armor that blocks bullets like Skathen's star carved. Well, there's even a cutting thing about that too. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. And so, so the way I read that was, 
oh, the star carved, or at least some of the star carved, have the ability to essentially create armor around themselves out of whatever stuff they're controlling, right? Something, uh, and that's strong enough to block bullets. I wonder if it wouldn't, if the sand wouldn't just be blocked by it, but if you might, if there might be some kind of interaction like there is between two sand ribbons where like, yeah. if you like mm. get it in the right spot, you can yeah. like disable it. You can find like weak, a weak point and like get in there. This, this is somewhat unrelated, but do you think that Turkin armor is like aluminum? I guess that doesn't make sense with the Turkin oil. They said Brandon there's... doesn't understand what aluminum has in terms of <laughs> physical properties. So, I mean, it could be, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it is. I uh, think that's like okay. something unique. Okay. I, I could see him saying like, there's a high aluminum content in this material, you know, like in the same way, there's a lot of iron and blood. Sure. You know? sure. And, and, and I would wave my hands and go, that sounds fine. But uh, sure. it, it could be something that kills the, the lichen instead of like, yeah, okay, sure, sure. Maybe. I did think that this page was interesting in that it establishes that sand left in darkness will eventually lose its charge even without yes. you throwing water on it. So it's yes. not like you can just create a large enough sand exchange network between Ellis and Dayside and recharge it and keep running it back. It, you're you're on a timer as soon as it's yeah. out of the light. Yeah, Every that immediately time. made me wonder because we we've clearly seen the sand off world right so there's clearly a way to keep it charged in some way unless it but, like got charged well, from other investiture i guess yeah i think it's more use, useful dark with... though you know like oh, the right. you want it dark and then so, you're yeah. detecting right sure sure mm. sure 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 right good point yeah yeah, 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 we, yeah. We, we saw it directly charged with um sprint nearby illusions on chalon's case yeah um, yeah, I uh, guess yeah. it's yeah, that's a good point. You want it dark and it turn it mm -hmm. white as a detection thing. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it, also mad respect to Chris for successfully setting up a control for her experiments here. Good job. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, I don't. So I want to talk about this because I don't understand exactly what's happening here. Okay. Yeah. What, what is going on here? So she's she's conducting two, two experiments, essentially. Right. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. One of them is how long does it take for depleted sand to get charged? And the other one is how long does it take for um, charged sand to get depleted? Like, mm -hmm. what, like, what is she doing with the water here? So in the first experiment, we have depleted sand and we have fully charged sand. And the fully charged is there to like just compare the levels, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. I, so she's putting the black sand, exposing it to the sun, and putting water on it the water uh, from my read of this the water marker just lets you know was water applied to this sand at the start of the test yeah and so then she's is wetting, like she's putting the sand turning it black and then leaving it out in the sun to see how long it yeah. takes to mm -hmm. turn white so it's it's just telling you okay the test sand was exposed to water control was without test sand was exposed to water the control is without on each of those okay so so let's let's go back to let's 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 look at the first one uh-huh so she 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 has black sand she's putting water on it and putting it in the sun yeah and and that's charging in four hours yeah. mm -hmm. most black sand most mastered sand on day side doesn't get the water treatment right uh, but but she's she's simulating sand being used by sand masters with water instead of having yeah. using sand that's been exposed that's been used and then 
discharged she's, by a sandmaster. She's just skipping. She doesn't need a sandmaster for this. She's using the water to make it black in the first place. Yeah. She took some white sand. She, she poured, poured some water. water on it to turn it black. And then that's her yeah. black sand she's working okay. with. Okay. Okay. I, I do I, think that the rightmost experiment, it would make more sense to, to flip the test and the control label on those columns. I think that's a little confusing. But, yeah. uh, but other than that, I think it does make sense. Yeah, I mean, presumably in this case, you're just saying the treatment is like the water, right? And so she's just trying to, yeah. I, yeah, okay. I am a, on the first test, I'm assuming that she like wet the sand to turn it black and then mm -hmm. she like dried it indoors or somewhere not in the sun. Sure. So that it's sure. dry because otherwise there's this question of like, is it just staying black because it... <sighs> Well, yes, because does it. the water vanish though? If you if you don't over if you don't fully saturate it, does it just hmm, gone like it does with regular stuff? Like you might end up yeah. with dry black sand if you don't. It, pour it too might much be. On it might be. Like I, I imagine there's some absorption that the water is being expended, right? You probably have to dry it a little bit though. Like I mean, I'm I'd be surprised if it was a hundred percent efficient. Yeah, she probably wouldn't get the exact correct proportion, right? To expend it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder sure. if it would which, which is fine if it would keep re like, you know, like reigniting and then it would charge and then it would discharge if you didn't drive. Oh, okay. This is an extremely nerdy episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, it's about the, the Cosmere scientist, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love it. I'm just like, wow, this is like, I knew Sorry. we would go through the lore, but I'm like, wow. Because the reason I bring this up is because originally when I was reading this, I was like, she is, she has two variables she is measuring here like because i thought she's putting water on the black sand and like so she's measuring the effects of water while also measuring the effects of sunlight mm -hmm. but i can i can get behind the idea that all oh, the water is there to just drain the investiture of the sand is it like to, to bring mm -hmm. it to zero yeah that's that's my read of it it's easier than asking kenton hey kenton come over here and and use exactly yeah. five grams of sand and discharge it and put it right here. Kenton's known she's for doing these precision. experiments in yeah. in her inn in yeah, yeah, Lonzare yeah. or whatever. So you, got, you are so much better with these terms. I cannot <laughs> hang on to yeah, any yeah, it's, terms uh, in my brain. Look, so just at, at some throw point, arrows at the letter K, and you'll probably get there. <laughs> statistically speaking, yeah, KML. Yeah, um, yeah. No, there 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 are similarities that at some point clicked for me so like the the city where they are is kezare um when they refer to like um darksider people i think they they call them lonsha mm. uh and so the dark side district of kezare is lo zare and so mm. like there's there's some like k and car and things like that are day sidey and sun things and then lo lon are mm. are dark sidey things yep uh, I wonder if at the very least it will be useful for, uh, usage against the dynasty, uh, to just have some of the dark sand to be charged by their investiture use. And so you can detect them easily like we see on other oh, planets, right? Like sure. that, that could, that yeah. could be a usage. It's definitely yeah. not the usage that Chris is hoping for, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder what the range is, you know, like you want you want it to work as a detector, not like before a star. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. well, but I away. guess here. Here's the thing, like lots of different investiture charges the sand. 
So, like, and we know this. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't the dark side sun charge the sand? But maybe just sandmasters couldn't use it. Maybe if it's I like don't know. differently, well, we don't know that it wouldn't. Chris just assumes it won't. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it yeah. Might, it might work. It might work. She she points out that their star marks are not charged or not like yeah, right. That, visible that's a good by point. The side sun, and so she's kind of. But I, I do feel like like the fact that we've seen it charged by stormlight makes me feel like there it must be be able to be charged by anything. yeah yeah i i am on board with the idea that white sand is more universally accepting of investiture than star marks are mm-hmm. I, oh um, that's a good point yeah like this is getting ahead maybe but like i almost wonder if like like the lichen on sand on white sand like is like the key to like people in the cosmere unlocking how to purify investiture like if they're seeing like oh. an example of this in nature like hey this sand is able to convert any kind of investiture into like whatever it needs like is it possible that they'll like look at that sand and like use that as a that's a basis that's how they purified the door joff that's what they did it's like just pour put a bunch of sand in it and then discharge <laughs> it and caught that energy nice. and then poured a bunch of sand in there and then they like diluted it uh it's an idea. I think it's a neat idea. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if like I think the the difference to me is maybe the sand will look white and it will be invested, right? But I don't think that automatically means that anyone can like get to it, right? Like I, I think it's easily just as plausible that like if Kenton was on Roshar. <sighs> when the sand was charged mm. that maybe he could not master the white sand charged with stormlight <laughs> it's hard to say because brandon had that one weird thing where he was like saying like yeah you could catch talde and sun and gems and a radiant could use it but then you're like but they can't use void light <laughs> or you know life light but they can use off-world autonomy light yeah, so he he did say that he said that that radiance could use white sand, right? Is that what he he said? he said that radiance could use the yeah. Taldane light caught in a gem? Yeah, I believe was what it was. Uh, which I I would fight him on if I yeah. if yeah. I was in front of him. I think but, that's you know. him not. <laughs> It's the standard, what if you did these five things? What would be the effect of combining these five things? And Brandon's like, uh, I yeah. think this, I guess. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon's like, I haven't thought of a cool story I want to tell where that happens, so I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Let's go to the next one. Um, mm. Ooh, Sand Mastery Star Marks connection. Okay, yeah, oh, that's kind of yeah, what we were just talking about. Camera Obscura one, or starting to. Yeah. Oh, this one is... Oh, bizarre. that's what it was called. This one's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta I admit, the... this is probably one of the pieces of art that I'm like, there's a face there? <laughs> like, I, yeah. oh, no. I, this is, I, oh, there is a face. It's in the bottom left corner. Yeah, I love it. It's upside it's, down. It's upside that's intended. Oh, it's mostly, yeah. Wow. It, I'm yeah, not a very, mostly yeah. the DM, but there's a face up there. I was like, are these supposed to be like bony teeth? I'm like so confused. I'm like, I just did not see the face. So, uh, no, that's so the upside down DM. This is, this is page 291 uh, in there, uh, 292 in the uh, PDF. But yeah, so there is. Oh, I can like show uh, Okay, let, let, let's, let's explain what's happening here. Uh, she's like putting a tiny hole above. Uh, darkened sand right yeah. i don't think it's as clear 
as yeah. one might hope to the audience. Yeah, yeah. this is those this camera is, holds. That's what <laughs> yeah. this page is. I'm yeah, not yeah, showing yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, well, so, 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 here, God, how do we, we, yeah, we need to explain this before? Yeah, I, I'm trying so, to explain it and just totally the, the first, up. the first thing Chris is doing is she's showing that if you block, uh, white sand, uh, or sorry, if you, if you block black sand, depleted zero investiture sand, uh, and prevent sunlight from hitting it, it doesn't get charged. That's, mm. that's the first two experiments she's doing. She's blocking, you know, she has a circle of black sand, she's blocking half, and then after four hours, the unblocked half is white because the sun has charged it, but the one that she's blocked remains black, remains uncharged. And then she does the same thing with just like a random pattern of, so she's not blocking half and half, she's blocking a pattern on, on that, and that paints almost like a smiley face on, on the black sand. And then she's like, okay, what I'm going to do is I will let very little light go through this hole in, in the box that I've built or in the window or whatever she does. Mm-hmm. It's a box. And, and then where the light touches the sand, it will charge it. And where it doesn't touch the sand, it will not because that's what my previous experiments have shown me. Yeah. And then when you and i'm not super familiar with like the real world <laughs> experiment that is this, but, but but this is a real world real phenomenon like, yeah like if you if you google a pinhole camera like this is like if, if you punch like a little hole in a box and put like photosensitive paper on the back side like you'll get an image of like what's mm-hmm. coming through the hole like so this right. is like a real sure, thing sure sure she's sure, just sure, using sure. sand instead of yep. like photosensitive paper and so what she's yeah, getting right. is she's getting essentially a photograph of the environment where the light mm. is coming from, which is the DM, right? Mm. And the, the way that quote unquote photograph is working is where the light is touching the sand, you, that land is getting, uh, the sand is getting charged. And so you get lighter tones and where it's not touching it or touching it very little, you get darker tones. And so you essentially get this photograph on the sand except you also get a face. Yeah, that's, wow. Whenever they craft this into actual photos, that's going to be spooky. It's like, man, there's <laughs> ghosts all around. That, that face was not there. Holy crap. Do you, do you guys think a spren that was hiding itself would show up in one of these? Mm. You know, if you had like a wind spren sitting on your shoulder and you were looking above it? Yes. I, I'm going to go with a no. Okay. But it's a no that's like no because a spren is too small. Mm. Not be, not because a spren is functionally different from a shard, but because a spren is so much smaller than a shard. Because in my head I was like, okay, maybe this is investiture interfering with investiture, you know, and there's something there watching and it's not blocking it, but it's invest- it's messing with it in such a way that what is there is revealed as opposed to oh yeah okay sure uh as opposed to having it normally be invisible because i don't think they're not saying like oh yeah on day side everyone's looking up at, unless i'm misunderstanding looking up the sky and being like damn there's another face up there guys look they're talking about it in the context of this camera which is where I've, it's captured so i think that's exactly what's happening actually 
maybe okay. maybe not on this page, but later on, uh, especially on like I think the last Arzu Cannon page, Chris oh, was like, okay. ever since I did that experiment, I've been seeing that face in the sand dunes, in the sky, in Jeez. the heat waves, oh, in the water right. of the ocean, right? Because it says here, humans seem to see things in the clouds. Yeah. But like so maybe like, Chris hadn't observed it mm -hmm. at that stage. She's just like, this is the thing I heard. I'll test it. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, that's interesting. Hmm. That, I mean, it makes more sense. I don't think autonomy exists forming a giant face in the sky. Like it's just a representation of attention potentially, but yep. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to read this part at the bottom. Uh, there must be connections between anomalies. I've found with the planet star marks and sand mastery. Just like an ecosystem is connected, intertwined, and symbiotic, uh, could the underlying power that keeps our planet in orbit, that's cool, uh, also be the underlying power that fuels, dare I call it this, magical elements that seem outside the order of nature. <laughs> so she's definitely discovering this. Oh, there's, there's some weird stuff, and I think she's yeah. very fascinated with it. She is becoming best friends with this with the sand mage and going, I'm starting to think magic might be real. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that that was always weird. It's like sand mages never heard of them. You must be thinking of the Taisha. The sand oh. masters aren't magic like. That's much improved in this, too. It, it is. Yeah. Misunderstanding is a lot more understand excusable. It's still <laughs> weird, but sure, I'll, it is better. This is also the page where she talks about like the different colors. So like mm. the sand when it gets wet or when it's used, like it, it has the mother of pearl thing. And she mentions that it, she could, she says I can almost make out every color of star mark shifting yeah. in there. So like star marks are well, all like distinct colors. It seems like. Well, mm. it's also, I think in like, she does an experiment. I think it's chat. Yeah. Yeah. It's page three Oh nine. I think. Yeah. Where she's uh, puts light on it. Uh, sorry, she puts water on the sand, it releases light, and she says the same mother of pearl color light given off by sand that a sand master is controlling, and then it turns black. Yeah, clearly like a rainbow uh, getting every color, uh, which is very interesting. And so, yeah, presumably all these star marks can be all these colors, right? And maybe, maybe the different colors do different things, and who knows? Got to have that color-based magic system. Color, you know, the spiritual integrity of colors. Sure, easy. It, I mean, I it's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do these... Could you use the colors of star marks for awakening, Brandon? I did... Um, oh, wow, yeah, that, Jesus. <laughs> That's, yeah, sure. Investiture conflicts with I, other investiture, so no. I do like on page 429 when Kenton gets his, his five ribbons in the, on the oh, yeah. he's like inside and there's a little bit of color you can see like on the top of them oh on that yeah page that's nice so that was actually there in the previous version as well and i just yeah. oh. never realized oh, that okay well neat uh but in the scene where they are in the dark like in the basement where they're looking for uh lord regent and the only illumination provided is like kenton holding a ribbon of sand nah, nothing it's just normal light. You gotta look closely, Archie. They gotta <laughs> look closely. They do have a lantern, also. Yeah. But, oh, do but they? You're, you're not wrong. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, we're skipping dayside food. No one cares. I mean, okay, well, but <laughs> don't people want to know that they make food out of melted animals that they then turn into pucks and of they food? taste sure. differently because of their carapace? I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, look, that is cool. I don't. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, Somebody is horrified by that. It might be funny. I can't remember who it is. Yeah. Somebody finds the concept of that food deeply horrifying. Nice. I I liked the idea that their farms oh my just look like. <laughs> Like essentially like sand fields or dunes because all of the plants are under the sand. That's pretty good. I think I feel like that's in the pros too. Like I feel like there's some like there's a kid who's just like sitting on a sand dune and they're like, he's watching a farm. Like don't <laughs> cool. you don't know. Let's talk about the sand mastery test. Uh not getting off track. Um this is fascinating because you need mm-hmm. a sand master to administer the test. You cannot do it yourself. And that mm. really reads to me like there needs to be some intent things that the Sandmaster proctoring the test needs to do somehow that if you don't do it, it will just not work. I don't think it's an, an intent thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like a virus, essentially. <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay. So uh, there is there is something in the Sandmaster that allows them to perform sand mastery, right? And I am and I am reminded of spore eaters, actually. Okay. Uh, or or Ooh. any nature bound, really, right? So there is something in the person, like any person can become, I assume, aether bound, and any person can become a spore eater. Uh, but they need that special something. They need a bud of an aether. They need a special spore or whatever it is involved in there. And so like in that sense anyone can become a sandmaster, but it's a you need to get it from another sandmaster and you don't always get it. Not everyone gets that. I I think it's an intent thing. I don't agree with any of that. Uh okay. That's tough. I mean, I don't think I don't think that whoever is administering the test is doing something conscious. I, that yeah, I don't okay. agree with. Like, I don't think that they're like, and I'm willing you to get sand mastery from me. I think you have people like Bayon has a seed in him that makes him powerful. It's not just, it's not something that's coming purely from the oh, sand master. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, to, to be clear, I, I do believe you need like whatever genetic prerequisite mm-hmm. uh, to do this, but I think you, I think the proctor is doing something mm. like I, 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 I think there is maybe something like maybe it's as simple as the sandmaster just needs to be like, hey, you need to like connect with the sand kind of and they'll also connect with the sand and that will like unlock that person's <laughs> latent abilities. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I guess I don't think they're doing anything out of the ordinary is really what I'm trying mm. to say. So here's something that I, that I noticed earlier and I verified. So it's not super clear, mm-hmm. but there are three Sandmaster tests that I can think of that we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. We have uh, the flashback when Kenton is a child. Mm-hmm. We have uh, when Kenton administers the test to Chris. And we have when, uh, was it Diren at the end? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Administers so. the test to Bayon. In at least the second and the third, so at least Kent and Chris and Deren Bayon, it is the Sandmaster who gets the sand and pours it into the hand of the testee. Yeah. 
Testy? Tester. That could be a sufficient amount of intent, honestly. Uh, (laughs) But I I read that the opposite way. I I read that as the Sandmaster is infesting the sand, or unlocking the sand. Priming the sand. Priming it. Like, changing the sand (laughs) in some way so that it can be used by, by, like, testers who can like have the, the 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 genetic predisposition or whatever it is to uh to unlock that uh if you cut out all the virus and infection uh references <laughs> i almost kind of buy that but like that that metaphor is really bizarre to me but... don't don't get hung up on the metaphor. okay like, okay the all idea right. is that the tester meaning possibly meaningfully change it or the sandmaster meaningfully changes the sand to like pass on the ability to people who can accept that ability. Can I come in with a third possibility? Yes. Shoot. I disagree with both of you. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think that. You. Well, I think <laughs> that uh, there's something in the ceremony of it that makes this happen. I um, like. I don't think it takes much, but I think that the the ritual of a sandmaster giving the instruction. And telling somebody that they are uh, what the what they're supposed to do is enough of a handoff in whatever way to make that happen. I think we've got to figure out like an autonomy angle that this that this fits under, which I haven't mm. been able to do. But I I don't think they're doing anything weird, and I don't think they're changing the sand. I think there's something about the ritual of it. I, I would just say that I think. If someone was reading the words and didn't mean it, and even if they were a sandmaster, like like they I think that's where the intent comes in. It's like in maybe in just saying those words. And that is a sufficient amount of intent to like like essentially what this is happening. This is a capital I initiation. And our main one that we have is uh, like snapping. And so it's like catalyzing this, uh, you know, spiritually genetic predisposition for an ability right to me it feels like you need a proxy to connect like that first time and then after that like then you can i don't know does something that to you where, like, once you've had that connection yeah then you can kind of make a more direct connection next time i am i'm also it, i hate that i'm being reminded of this but i am reminded of hoyd becoming an elantrian interest uh-huh because there is a parallel there where someone yeah. who is part of an organization is oh yeah okay wow now accepting someone who is not right you, you need that lower c connection in there well we do know unless the initiation method has changed that chris does not believe that taldane's initiation that's right is the same as that of the elantrian specifically true yes uh um, nice the yes. irie are weird yeah well it it you know it might support the idea that they've changed how initiation works and all for Aantor. but what anyway Ooh. uh i mean uh, either way what yeah. happened like the way Raelden becomes an elantrian is not the way that hoyd becomes an elantrian i think like, yeah i don't think so either uh yeah i i just struggle with eric like saying its intent with just how informal like whatever this brown-haired kid's name is he like oh, that's he doesn't even Durin. Durin he doesn't is, even is say a, a word. Well, maybe it's Rhett. He does, he literally doesn't even say a word to Bayon. Sure. Like, okay. See now I'm now I'm questioning my own 
thing about the ritual of it, but Chris is the one who says Kenton said to reach out and feel every grain of sand. Oh, in the yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so all, all that this sandmaster is doing is pouring the sand into this maybe, guy's hand. Maybe that's so, enough intent. Okay. You, maybe, you can't have Chris <laughs> pour the sand. You need a sandmaster to pour the sand. I don't know. And we don't yeah, know or, what's going on in the sandmaster's brain. He could be doing some stuff. Or maybe it is just so. about a sandmaster touching the sand. Oh, uh, let's. Let's read this last paragraph because it has some star carved things. Uh, there are no spontaneous sandmasters and only a sandmaster can administer the test. It's as if one has to be introduced to the power by one who already holds it. Then the power itself chooses who to unlock and to what degree. This is well documented in the DM's records and reminds me of how the star carved are discovered. Sure. Yeah. So you need a star carved to unlock a star carved and yep. mm. maybe like everyone has a star mark but n- uh, on dark side yep. but only a few can unlock that ability and that's almost verbatim a thing that chris writes about in another one of these pages actually yeah i think probably we're the next one uh, probably we're we're nearing the end this is something that i'm wondering so it's interesting to me that Bayon presumably has his own like star marks. And so he's like connected to that whole like mm-hmm. half of the magic on Taldane. So it's interesting that he can also be a sandmaster. And so it, it makes me wonder the question of is the fact that is it just some kind of some kind of weird intermixing on Taldane where like he's from the other side and he has this other sort of sort of half magic system, but he can also do that one. Or do you think that it's possible that anybody in the Cosmere can become a sandmaster just whatever their luck happens to be with being i do not think that last thing is true i think there needs to be some genetic predisposition somehow i think there could in like the taldani lore uh, kind of like how ferrochemy was gone for a while but like the genetic predisposition was still there that maybe eventually in dark side it could potentially resurface and maybe it's just very challenging like maybe a bunch of people on dark side have this potential but they're not going to day side and seeing a sandmaster to administer the test right so that's possible i guess here's a related thought somewhat a i wonder if daysiders would find themselves to have star marks should they go to (laughs) I have been wondering about that, yeah. Uh, especially that's, Kenton that's... Be, being uh, having a parent from each side. Oh, but he's uh, not leaving. That's so cool, I know. David. I know. It would be cool. Okay, my Sequel secondary stuff. piece of it was, is it possible that Bayon is already a star carved? And that's coming into effect here because he is an important <sighs> member of the Empire. And it's possible he's had abilities that he's not been sharing with everybody openly and been unable to use for the past few weeks as well. So maybe that's like maybe the system's like, oh, crap, this guy, he's already he's already charged up, you know, like he's already got a lot of power. We can he could be a heck of a sandmaster. That is an interesting idea for sure. Yeah, I am very much on board with that, actually. Yeah, that's very cool. I like it. Because what doesn't like it, it would feel weird to me that a daysider would go to dark side and develop star marks spontaneously or whatever like that feels like something you were born with and so if you can if you can have a dark sider go to day side 
and develop sand mastery, why can you not have the inverse? Like it, 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 it's not symmetrical. And I would like it to be symmetrical. And the, the only two ways that I can think of that are either Daysiders develops star marks, or maybe they have star marks and just none of them are, you know, ever visible, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's very possible that Daysiders may have star marks uh, and that maybe that's knowledge the dynasty s- tries to suppress, right? Because they it's very clear that the dynasty like tries to lock this down a lot and they they don't want the general populace to know oh yeah there's way more intercontinental travel than you know than mm-hmm. people think right so there there could be a similar section that's like here's a secret daysider like enclave and they actually do have uh star marks and it's kind of weird mm-hmm. yeah and i mean you know they probably wouldn't be since Anyone coming from Dayside is coming through the blockades, quote unquote, like they probably wouldn't end up in Ellis, you know? Yeah, like, right. And it's a small yeah. place anyway, right? So like, mm-hmm. how would Ellis yeah. know? Whew. Or the other option is it's not symmetrical. Star marks are unique to Starside. Sand Mastery is unique to Dayside. And then people who have one of the magic systems maybe have both. It, I mean, there there could be a thing where like, or the potential like, for both. Like Bayon has like some mixed ancestry somewhere though. Like it, it doesn't need it oh, doesn't yeah. need to be like that potentially. Like mm-hmm. it raises questions about Kenton if that's the case. You know, like he could be potentially have capacity to be a star carved or the other oh, yeah. factors. You yeah, know, like true. maybe they're maybe they're valuable in a different way when they get there. And they have to figure that's, out a that's different. A, that's be cool an if they showed up and they've got a different magic system to figure out, you know. And they're like, that, I've that got would different be pretty powers cool. That would be pretty I did cool. On the other side. So sand mastery observations. There's a line about uh, if ribbons can be razor sharp, then can sand masters uh, fight uh, with living sand on their arms as whips or blades, similar to how some of the star carved fight. So that's a thing that they they have something like this but clearly are not mastering sand right some mm-hmm. sort of bladed thing maybe it's like hard light yeah. I, that's what i envision honestly is hard light based on the kind of figure that we see later and i think it would be a cool aesthetic with the darkness yeah like neon yeah 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 that, that'd be cool that'd be sweet yeah and it, God, it feels so like I I know I keep bringing this up, but it feels so aethery to me, right? Yeah. Where like I'm I'm thinking of like Twin Soul who has the Juggernaut arm armor. Yeah. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. Imagining a star carved whose armor is not roll side, but it's like some of this neon light armor trip. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that picture in the bottom right corner of this page that that could be Twin yeah. that could be Twin Soul. You know, like that that's a Juggernaut right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interesting. Uh, yeah. Anything else on this one? Like, um, I mean, I guess this is probably the end of us talking about the star carved. I don't think yeah. there's really anything else. I am curious what, if any, impact the color will have on things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I whether different colors have different abilities or whether you can accomplish, you know, or whether the color is just cosmetic. I wonder if mm-hmm. the color indicate would indicate the rank of star carved that you are or some <laughs> crap like that like no i, I would hate that uh-huh. well okay here's sashes 
here's a flip. Uh, yeah, do we are there seven gods on Chris's side? Seven divine. Yep, seven divines. Maybe there yeah. are, maybe there are seven types of star carved, Ooh. and they've got each you know they, color they, they've got the different rainbow? varieties, and then we've got a, a set of seven elements, and we've got you know it's its own, it's its own weird thing on that side. <laughs> That's kind of what I assumed, actually, cool. when Chris yeah. was like, oh, I can see all of the colors of the star marks in this uh, Mother of Pearl rainbow. Like rainbows traditionally are said to have seven colors. And so I assumed that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. this, the spectrum of colors of star marks are, you know, violet, blue, green, etc. Did she say there's seven of them? Seven star marks? I don't remember if that was explicit. No. But I assumed that was the case. You know, on this Sand Mastery Observations page, uh, with that, that line I read about the, the whips and blades, similar to how some of the Star Carve fight. So, yeah, they're, yeah, they are probably not like Sand Masters. And maybe, honestly, that almost reminds me of the Fused, right? Like the big progression guys with the big blades and maybe yeah, sure. like different ones. Like, like maybe the star carved have more specific abilities, whereas sandmasters can be much more general. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, can see that. yeah, yeah. We got Zoken. I don't remember anything. That's the game. That's the yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't think there's anything there other than well, we okay. talked about like how it was a full circle. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, we got our very and the, pl- the placement of that page is, I think, right after right at the, the final yeah. showdown. And so yep. it's thematic that Chris talks about it there. Yep. And then uh, we got the very last page. Uh, last page of the book, actually, uh, except for some like just other art. But we see a face in the sand, which is what you were referring to before. Um, there's one there's one in the water, too. It's upside down. The reflection it is, oh, wow. it is very difficult to make out and i'm i don't know i think i think that's, that, that's possible that's a face it, should, it says right there it says somewhere there like in the eddies of water or something like that yeah yeah it yeah. does say that but also in the heat waves and yeah so this indicates everyone has a star mark but you know yeah similar to how the particulate cloud sends out a weekly pulse that invests power into our star marks even if only some few chosen seem to be able to access that power. So like th- th- there's clearly some mystery uh, and some connection here that I think Brandon is going for between these. Like it's not just going to be, hey, we spent this entire book figuring out the Sandmasters. And then it's totally useless in every way. Right. Like that would be that that there's no way that's true. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at the very minimum, it's, you know, Chris noticing magic, essentially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but this page is is home to one of my favorite bits in in the entire omnibus. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, two favorite bits, and uh-huh. the, one of them is just the end going. Oh, um, soon we'll enter the terminal storm, and I want to spend my remaining time on day side in the warmth and light of a star, which I think is a beautiful line given the journey that she's been on. Uh, but the thing that that I really like is kind of the other half of her journey, uh, which is her character, which is the exploration of the magic and so on, uh, which is these anomalies. And she's just come off of talking about the faces and things like that. Faces in the clouds, investiture of power, the world of the unseen, 
these all pull me like nothing else that I've studied. And I, I love the way Isaac has made the term investiture, which is lowercase here, yep. feel very seamless yeah. because Chris has talked about the sun investing the sand with power before and that's also been lowercase and like so it feels like she's arriving at the same terminology and the same language that like i imagine the the yolish people and or at nauseam or the shards or whoever invented the term investiture as as a proper term it seems like she's following in those same tracks yeah and it fits really nicely for me and i love it Mm -hmm. It, it's very cool how uh chris is like, this is the origin of, I know I'm fascinated with the magic and I need to explore this. Yeah, like the clocks, that's cool. I'm going to study those too, but I'm really fascinated about this. And you really get that in the Ars Arcanum, which is, I mean, I think that's fitting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, I think they've done well in using the graphic novel format to have an interesting different Ars Arcanum, right? Yeah. Like the, these lore mm-hmm. pages, I mean, they're, they're a little... Shalon sketchbook like like you could have them in a normal book right but it it really fits well here mm-hmm. and and they they almost feel like predecessors of oh one day she's going to be writing these like journals and scientific papers and and things like that mm. that are meant to explain the magic of the Cosmere. but here she's just looking into these things because they are interesting mm-hmm. yeah any other Ars Arcanum thoughts? Lore thoughts? Honorable mention to something that I don't think we talked about, but it's cool. Uh, in Elise, mm-hmm. apparently Darkseid used to be called Starside, uh, which is a bit of new lore that we get Better here. Name. And I think I think that's a, that's a cool name. And so yeah. the dynasty is kind of pushing for... In the language of the dynasty, it is, that side of the world is Darkseid. And that's one mm-hmm. of the ways the dynasty is like changing the culture of Elise, even though it hasn't count conquered Elise yet. That's all I got. I think we got, we got to end up here uh, just talking about how Brandon continually is, is more and more sure he needs to write a white sand prose, <laughs> thus completely <laughs> undercutting this entire endeavor from beginning to end. Ah, I have been asking for a white sand prose for many years. Yeah. And I'm very satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) I've always Uh, kind of been, I've always kind of been like opposed to him doing that just because I don't want him to like waste time, like retreading a story that's been told and retold and retold. Yeah. (laughs) But I I also would like to get a sequel to this. And at this point, like it doesn't seem very promising that a graphic novel will happen. It doesn't seem very like a great idea at this point. So um, I guess if that's how we have to get there, then that's fine. I I will not be upset unless it like completely changes the story. Like if he writes a prose novel and it feels like this omnibus is like an adaptation of that, like in reverse order, then then that's fine. Like I'll be happy if, if that's kind of what we're at. If he like changes some fundamental like, oh, they actually are going to do this totally different thing and, and the plot's going to be different, then that'll be frustrating to me. I kind of expect it to fall somewhere in the middle. Like he said, he said previously, he's like, I want to do a prose version that like Matt, that matches the omnibus. Like that's the thing he said like last year or so. And I could see that, but there's a part of me that would be like a little surprised that he would be able to go through the whole thing and not 
tighten it up even more or like yeah. you know it'd be like if he was gonna do a really strong revision like i feel like he might be like do we have to see the lord farmer you know like stuff like that or like <laughs> sure. there'd be other ways that he would want to tighten it so so I really, I've always wanted to know what happens after White Sand. Like, I think the story's fine. I think the more interesting one is in the sequel. Uh, and so I am continually annoyed that it's just prose. The, the graphic novel, the graphic novel again, but better. And then the prose again. Uh I want us to get to the freaking sequel and getting some autonomy yeah. and dark side stuff. And I think the thing that annoys me is it seems like the dark side stuff is very colorful. That probably will work better for a graphic novel than than yeah. white sand. It's white and very bright and things. And honestly, in this, they, they did a reasonable job for that. But the much more colorful dark side with all these colors and if it's like some sort of solid light thing that the star carved are doing, that seems a lot more visually interesting. Right. So it's, yep. it's just, it's just a shame because uh, especially because this prologue artist is really nice. And if they did an entire sequel thing with, with Chris, I think that would be very cool. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that would be awesome. Right. There's no way they would do that unless Brandon was like, I'm never going to do a white sand prose because if Brandon's going to do a white sand prose, what's happening with the sequel? And so I I think the sequel plans is what I really need to know. Is that going to be a prose thing or is that going to be a graphic novel thing? Because if because if it has to be a prose thing, then I absolutely want the first thing to be as a published prose thing. Right. The same format, the same format, because that would be bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So. This has just been poorly planned from the outset, not just Dynamite's handling of the omnibus, but just like this whole graphic novel endeavor, I think. I I have to wonder if the relationship with Dynamite is what informs his decision (laughs) to do the prose. It really feels like it. That may be true that they they screwed this up so much that they're going to do a prose and a prose sequel instead. That's possible. It's like if if Brandon's thinking, like, I really want to get to the sequel of this, but I don't trust dynamite to do it i don't want to work with them i don't want to like you know how do you you know if the only way to get there is for me to just write a prose and then get to that you know and and if you guys see maybe he feels weird like writing a prose sequel to a thing that's not that's a yeah it's a graphic novel yeah that's that's fair i am frustrated by the fact that we like have for a long time thought these were going to be the canon stories mm-hmm. and so we keep buying them yeah. thinking that we're getting yeah, the canon right. version True. and and like you know people care more or less about canon i care i'm on the more side of things but it is yeah it's just very frustrating and the the way that this is a little bit outside the cosmere but the way that the dark sand graphic novel has gone is that dark sand dark one <laughs> close enough uh, is uh that they are that they that was made and he recently talked on the intentionally blank that he felt like the dark the, the publishers went a little too more in their own vision for it and that's what moved them to yeah. want to do the prose version and so to me it feels like brandon it's not even when something is well done which i think that the dark one graphic novel was yeah brandon is not comfortable giving away that level of creative control to other publishers and so in my head i feel like 
if another graphic novel happens, it will either be created internally by Dragonsteel and then published by someone, or it will, by definition, have to have a really, really, from the beginning, close working relationship with, if not Brandon, somebody, a a trusted delegate like Isaac or or, uh, Dan or Jancy, maybe, you know, someone that he's worked with before who knows what he wants. I definitely would imagine any future graphic novel things to be deeply under the purview of Isaac uh, and intimately uh, getting it exactly as they want. Because again, the prologue stuff turned out amazing and more of that would be great. And I I don't see why there would be any reason why a sequel White Sand couldn't be published by someone else. Yep. Uh, That could be challenging if like, dynamite folded or like it's like hey go buy this this previous thing first from another publisher but at at the same time i'm pretty sure contractually there's no reason why that cannot happen you know right one would assume it's something i don't know a lot about but like maybe maybe they're also thinking that like holy crap graphic novels took so much to develop that like oh it's not a thing not on brandon's plate it's a thing that is being too much of a time sink that like it's just easier for Brandon to write something like Tress than to a graphic novel, which might be true. That might be true. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, just um, in terms of Isaac's time, right? Like there's mm-hmm. better things for Isaac to be doing with his time than. Yeah, like expanding mm-hmm. the Cosmere in other ways, right? Then uh, I mm-hmm. think Isaac could do a really good job at a White Sand sequel it would definitely be challenging because I feel like these the next Chris moment is extremely important for her and her mm-hmm. story, right? Yeah, I yeah, I'm supportive of here. Here's what I kind of don't want is Brandon to spend three months of his time <clears throat> delivering a white sand that is not demonstrably better than the original prose, but it's just slightly polished and yeah. matches this graphic novel. I I think that Isaac could do a good job working with him to do that polishing and that rewrite. I think that would sure. be possible. I'd be down to get a sequel from him. Sure. This is something we were talking about a little bit in the pre-show. Uh, but I do think that Brandon, Brandon has an interest in Chris's story, certainly, but he's not built into his timeline. Any place that we are like, Oh, here's where he's going to tell. Here's the Chris novels. Those don't yeah, exist. Yeah. Yeah. And right. Anything yeah. that he's chosen to share. Yeah. And so if he wants to do that, where that's going to happen if it's if it's going to be him is increasingly an open question yeah very so true. if anything is going to be like silverlight novella or whatever sure or is it a novel now i don't know i don't remember <sighs> who knows be, right <laughs> but maybe his novellas are basically novels <laughs> yeah, yeah just pump, yeah. pump it by thirty thousand words and that's like <laughs> all right it's stress size there you go easy um yeah i i think i'm just mainly concerned about the sequel you know, like I just really mm-hmm. want to. I want the complete White Sand story. This is like if you just read Way of Kings over and over and over again, and you never got Words <laughs> of Radiance, and that's what I'm kind of feeling like. And so I'm a little, a little yeah. irritated. Yeah. You know, that's like, totally fair. Uh, like I think and- this is a good rendition of it, and I'm sure, honestly, I probably will enjoy the prose more. Right? Mm-hmm. It just needs a solid revision. Uh, that like cuts out things, tightens it up. uh, And like if Brandon does a good draft of it, I'm sure it will be quite good. 
Man, it'd be so weird to go back to something you wrote like decades ago and just right. be like, give it a little scrub. All right, you're yeah, yeah. of the publisher. Like I could, I could see the book being if they're like, here's a white, here's Brandon Sanderson's newest book, White Sand. I could see people being like, blah, this is nothing like his modern work. You know what I mean? Like mm. that's my concern about the pros too. If he doesn't really, if he doesn't really do a good revision, it, yeah. it could be. And he's talked about that fear that he'd pull out a Trump novel and people yeah. would be like, this isn't good. Yeah. And, and I think I have a feeling that to him, just a, a, a heavy revision is not going to be enough because there are like, while there are good things about the white sand story, a lot of the world building, well, not the world, building, but a lot of the set dressing is very early Brandon, like the whole let's visit the eight Taisha and convince everyone. Like, I don't think 2020 plus Brandon would write a story whose like beats follow that. Like he would probably seriously trim down to like two or three for for pacing purposes. Maybe, but like at the same time, I think we're still going to have evil Skathen in the and the dynasty and stuff. Uh, sure. Yeah. And so there are kernels of what the good story and the world building there are. But like, I don't think you can pare down any draft like i don't think you can distill down to just the kernels and then build it back up without reworking the story in very significant ways yeah Mm. this is a tricky one good luck with that brandon because it feels like it's gonna need like almost a way of king style like rewrite (sighs) but like i was i was gonna say yeah it's it's very much like way of kings prime to way of maybe not quite yeah that was that was a pretty big difference but like it it probably would be the same story but like probably not a lot of the original prose would be there yeah and like brandon knows just how to execute it better maybe but like i do think there are plot threads that i'm like I don't know. Maybe we could do it a little better <laughs> than that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Like some so. concepts I'm like, yeah, it could be better. Yeah. I don't know. But I think, yeah, I think that's my big question is what's next. And I wonder if part of that is because Isaac is working on boatload of mummies and this, he will decide what's next. At least it'll be a big mm-hmm. part of it at least. So they're like, well, this has been in limbo for a year and a half when it comes out, then we'll, we'll see what the reception is and then we'll go. But yeah, well, this product if you have not read White Sand, is good, uh, and I wish I could totally recommend it. Uh, so it it is just unfortunate how poorly Dynamite has handled things yeah. that I cannot give a full throated endorsement of it because the product yeah. is good. The book itself is awesome. The if book you find itself it, is awesome. If you find it in a secondhand store, you've got zero questions. It's true. It is true. It is true. Get get that at a secondhand store. Not the other volumes, though. Just the omnibus. No. Cool. Well, uh, Joff has a hard deadline, so we are not doing Who's That Cosmic Character because we just talked too much about science today, which we really, we really did. So uh, follow us on 17shard.com for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. Uh, we have an awesome Discord server without a White Sand Omnibus channel because we're like, yeah, whatever. They, they just don't need to be spoiler tagged. Uh you can support it's, it's the same story. It's the same story. Yeah. You can support our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We have monthly art polls and you know, there's going to be a lot of them with a lot of secret projects, commission stuff. Yep. Uh, and we're doing a trust piece for yeah. February. Yeah. And something for March. Yeah. 
I'm sure you'll decide at the end of February what it's going to be. I'm I'm sure I will. I'm sure. I have I have less time than I usually do because February is a tiny month. Cursed February. Uh, <laughs> cool. You can find us on all the socials: Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, leave a like below and uh, tell us what 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 should be our call to action, Evgeny. We had a lot of wave emojis last time. Yeah, well, they were they were ocean emojis, which was very appropriate. Yeah. Um, tell us the no, I can't talk what about color star is your marks, star mark. We, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna suggest. Yeah. But I like we don't know anything about star marks. That doesn't make sense. Pick your favorite um, color. That's your star mark. What a call to action! Incredible. Tell tell us. I don't know. Tell tell us tell us if you either own or plan to buy any of the omnibus editions of white sand or are you just relying on like community tribal knowledge <laughs> to learn what the changes are what, what was was this experience sufficient to satisfy your desire to not need to spend over 50 dollars on an omnibus right. yep and if it was, you can just do a one-time donation to our Patreon for yeah. $45. Yeah, that's, that's okay. totally fine. You can leave a super thanks down <laughs> below. Boom. Nailed it. See y'all next time. Farewell, I... citizens of the dynasty. <laughs> okay, Bye. Ronan. See ya. Uh, <laughs> call.